Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray, and I have Scott Lehman back with me. This is your third appearance on the show. Hello. And I, yeah, I think we found our thing here is you 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 organize these months where we take a look at a genre of cinema, and at the end of the month, we compile the movies that we watched, and then uh, I do a top 10, you do a top 10, and some honorable mentions, and we see if there's any overlap there. And uh, I really, really enjoyed that with uh, October, and it's thought that show worked out really well so we're trying it again you you had the idea or your wife had the idea for funny february just right after like at the start of november and then you planned on it i was like okay i'm in i knew and i'm i'm glad that i didn't have ambitions greater than watching a movie a day because february <laughs> and in march has actually been maybe even worse for busyness i just i've i've had trouble getting podcasts out and i i really there was one day i did a d- double feature but i i only got 20 29 movies out of the month which is compared to the 50 i did in october not very much you you beat me uh, by quite a bit how, how many did you have did you um, see in february i, I can't recall I, I i know i could find it if i just looked at it but uh, i probably got about 39 I, I believe something like that yeah if those around that something in the high 30s so of course I, I ended up getting uh covid midway through so that gave me extra time just to watch movies in bed so yeah. you know we weren't sick or anything but uh, we had to stay home anyway so uh, it was kind of, you know, made it easier for me that way. Oh, getting getting to the, and I think you you had this in mind. I mean, maybe there's a lot of things that have happened in the world since that you wouldn't have been anticipating. But you, you were kind of thinking like January and February, at least in our part of Canada, get to be very depressing months. And so watching yeah. a comedy a day and having some laughs would, would help us out. And we knew about the pandemic and everything. We didn't know about some of the other world events that are started up and are going on right now. And so I just want to thank you because I, I I really do think that especially in that last week I started to get more in the spirit of the funny February and uh, it was just nice to to just watch something that was ultimately even if it was a cynical comedy it was more positive than what we were seeing in the world there so I, I certainly enjoyed it even though I, I I was struggling the early in the month I, I kept watching these movies and taking risks on things and uh, <laughs> some of them were just awful I I, I can't <laughs> I can't. I can't get past it, but I to at one point mid month I was actually thinking, will I be able to come up with ten? But oh, yeah. towards the end of the month, and when I had the, you know, my February break from 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 school, there I was able to see a lot more movies that just I, I just have this real love for. It might be very subjective. What we talked about in the lead up to this is th- this is just how we were feeling at the particular time in the month with the, with our lists here. We're not suggesting this is like the ten movies that should be up for best picture and win all these awards or high art or anything like that these were just movies on the right day the right time that or or maybe have some really like uh sentimental value i know some of some of mine were from my teenage years some from my childhood that uh, i was happy to revisit again yeah and i was saying actually i was talking to my daughter about the same idea today about comedy and it's very much like that it, it's very de- dependent on the day or how it hits you that day i know there's been some films that uh, i might mention that just i was in that mood for that and it had me in stitch and I just had the best time uh, on another day if I was sitting there alone I might just watch this stone-faced saying this is terrible but uh, comedy is uh, one of those things where you know there's so many different styles and uh, I think I, 
I'm trying to think of a movie I've seen where an example of one, but uh, I think we went to see, you know, like seeing a jackass movie, for example. Yeah. Uh, very depends on the on the day, who you're with, what the mood is, because the first time I saw a jackass movie, I was alone and I had rented a few movies and I watched it and I don't think I even cracked a smile. I thought, this is, what is this? Then I watched it again, you know, months later with, with my brother-in-law and or some friends and you had a couple drinks and, and we're having a great time laughing. And, you know, it was the day, it was the environment, it was, you know, what's all going around about it. We went and saw a double feature once. I can't remember. One of them was a, a silly zany comedy. And then we saw a Coen Brothers movie right after. And the Coen Brothers movie was a lot slower. And so we, we maybe didn't think of it as fondly because we were, the first one put us in a certain kind of mood. Uh, then, you know, revisiting it later, we thought that was a great movie. Why, you know, what were we thinking? But uh, yeah, very much uh, subjective. Uh, this definitely is not going to be, if you only see 10 comedies, see this 10. These are the 10 that just hit me that the right way that, that month. And I, I agree with you. I couldn't have expected how much, uh, how kind of, how much we needed to have some laughter this February. Yeah. You know, I expected, yeah, by February, you know, you're getting kind of tired of winter. You want spring to come enough. It'd be good to have some laughs, but uh, I, I really started needing some laughs in February. So uh, it really worked out well for me. I, you know, the world was getting kind of ugly at times and uh, it was, you know, I just would turn off the news. I just, you know, I'm watching something that makes me laugh and that's it. That's why I posted on social media. This is the funny movie I'm watching, then log off. That's it. And yeah. uh, I had a great time. I started looking forward to the next one and uh, had a good time. And of course, my wife joined for a lot of these. And yeah. as I've said to you, she's not a horror fan. So she never got into the uh, the October tradition that I love so much. Uh, and then we talked about this idea and I thought, you know what? Why not? I just kind of got the idea because another friend of mine, when I was doing October, he's not into horror movies, but he likes uh, superhero and comic movies. So he decided, well, I'm going to watch 31 of those. Oh, and okay. I thought, yeah. So I thought, why does it have to be just horror? Maybe we could, you know, fill another month with a different kind of challenge. So the whole challenge of, you know, forcing yourself to, to watch one and I can, you, you got other stuff going on. It can get to be kind of tough after a while. So give yourself a theme, just an excuse to watch movies. I don't care. I just love watching movies, but. <laughs> and I mean, I've, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard of all these variations that almost every month of the year there could be one June exploitation. Have you heard of that? I have not. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's an exploitation movie every day in June for odd like horror fans of that particular subgenre of horror. I heard I heard a couple different ones. Uh, Noir November or Sad November was another one that I heard about. Oh, like, <laughs> just like, yeah, you could be spending your entire life doing this, and you know, I I I, I like I like that to do this, and then I like that we have a little bit of a, a month in between and you've already kind of have an idea lined up here for April. Uh, I think we'll be a lot of fun and it will be quite different than the other two as well. So keep it coming. I'll be happy to participate in any of these. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I think that the summer months are a little tougher because you got other stuff going on and holidays and yeah. it's actually nice out for a little while, get outside, but yeah, I like uh, take a couple months off in between, but, uh, and I'm a big fan of alliteration. So if you do funny February and uh, <laughs> uh, the next one I was thinking was action adventure, April. So um, yeah, kind of getting that prepared if we, if we go ahead with it. As I mean, I think I liked action movies as a kid and as I get older, I appreciate them more. I think I was a, going through this in-between phase when I was being taking life too seriously where I, I kind of was harder on action movies. I would say I've been very hard on comedies over the years and at points horror movies. So it, I, genre cinema, I guess in general. But as I get older, I start to appreciate that not everything has to be always well-made. It's just... 
it's just kind of a feeling. It's a mood. It's it's that kind of thing. So looking forward to us comparing lists here. I I don't know. I don't think there were many movies that we saw. There may have been one or two where we saw the same movie, or or we saw the same movie on different days for different themes. I think so. Yeah. It was any overlap because we did have some overlap with in the October there. So and I will let you do the honors. We'll we'll each do our uh, ten top ten, and then uh, I think we save five each for honorable mentions at the end. Yeah. Let me have another five just to give a, a little shout out to that didn't quite uh, make it, but uh, give a little love to the conversation. So start off with your number 10. So starting off. Okay. The one I put that uh, at number 10 was when I had for Jay Barichell night uh, was the theme. And so I watched uh, She's Out of My League. Do you know what your problem is, Kirk? What? You're a moodle. A moodle? A man poodle. Girls, they want to take you out on a walk. They want to feed you. They want to cuddle you. But no girl wants to do the Moodle. No one would ever do a Moodle. No. Well, is there something that you like about her? Yes. I like the way that her body bends Oh, look at this. Yes. Thanks, Kirk. I think I lost my iPhone. Calm down, I'll call it. Hello? Hello? Thank God you have my phone. Would you just hold on to it for me? You're not supposed to be on your phone. It's bad for the plane. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you a plane doctor? No, so shut the hell up. I'd like to make it up to you. Do you like hockey? Yes, I do. I don't get it. Why would she ask me out? Are you nervous? <laughs> yes. This Molly is a hard 10. Meanwhile, the guy's a five. <laughs> Nailed it. I brought a girl with me, so please don't be a jerk. Are you a hooker? Dylan. Or a prostitute, I mean? Nope. Well, come on in for a dip, girl. Yeah. You know what? I don't even have a bathing suit. Uh, underwear is fine. Underwear would be fine. If I were wearing any. You and I both know he's not the kind of guy you usually end up with. You pick a guy like Kirk because he's safe. Or maybe because he's just a nice guy. Kim, this is Kirk. Molly and I used to date. <gasps> God is my witness. We'll get her back. Honestly. I have sex with that guy. Yeah, maybe Molly's a little better looking than I am. A little? Are you kidding me? I think that Debbie here is one wicked hot box. Thanks, babe. And this chick of yours makes her look like a pig. What? I got a clean quiz off with this. Is. No. Honey, you there? Dad? Dad, what the? What's this, Kirk? It's a pleasure. Out of my league. My shift doesn't start for another half hour, but I was so excited I came early. He said he was really excited, and so he came early. Does that ever happen to you? <laughs> it just slipped out. That was on my radar for that day because I struggled. You saw that I was struggling to come up with something that day, and I, I can each day I kind of didn't want to go with something obvious. This wouldn't have been obvious, but I just didn't have. Um, I, 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 I couldn't get that movie easily, so I, I, to this day I haven't seen it. So you're you're going to be the one who's going to be promoting it. I'm not, I, I don't have uh, much of a, a stake okay. in this in this one. So yeah. Well, it's uh you know 
it's a 2010 rom-com and uh it it made the list here because uh well mostly my wife watched it with me and there was a certain point when she turned to me during the movie and she smiled and she said i like this one and so i could see it it, it made her happy i was laughing during it i found it uh, you know it was funny and so we kind of matched on that and so i thought you know for you i better make this one has to make the list we, on on her behalf she's not here to uh, to take part but if she was doing the list this would be near the top so so i got i have to put that in there in this one jay barrichell he stars as uh, as he does as a scrawny dorky guy surprise <laughs> but uh who's who's considered a, a five by his friends and family so you're you're a solid five maybe at best uh and he starts dating a girl who they all say is a pure 10 and the whole idea is you know a five cannot date a 10 you have to you know on the scale which they have a very specific way of saying you know what's a six and his friend's a six but he's in a band so that makes him a seven uh, you know you gain one there you can only date within two points on the scale and he, he drives a shitty neon so he drops down he's only a four you know, because of his car, but it kind of the, the, the story with this or the humor comes from because, uh, his character has very poor self-esteem and, and low self-confidence. And, and he just feels there's no way that this attractive woman could actually be interested in him. And there must be something wrong with her or, or something. So that's, that's kind of the, the story with it. It's, you know, it's your, it's your rom-com, but it's also got the, the raunchy R ratedness that you'd expect with, uh, with Barrichell as, as the lead. Uh, you know, he does like to, to drop the F bombs and there's a little bit of, you know, the bodily humor or, or sorry bodily fluid humor in it as well but in it at its core it's a sweet natured film the friends and family are great cast uh tj miller plays his best friend and he's you know everything oh, yeah. he says is pretty funny as well so well, i don't know what else i can say his, his brother is well cast it's got a very uh, a very funny dinner scene when jay Bearshell brings brings the girl over for uh, to meet his family for the first time and everybody's in the pool and they're surprised like he's brought over this beautiful girl and they're like what's what's she doing with you and so there's yeah jump on come in the pool and she says well it'd be great if i had a swimsuit but i don't and they said well just wear underwear we're fine with that and she says well it'd be great too if i wore underwear and at that point everyone's like what what's going on here but uh, your description but no. is making me laugh so I, I i feel like i i i'm gonna need to add this to my list I need to check this movie out. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's it's good. You know, they start clicking as a couple, but the, his his lack of confidence keeps getting in the way. It's it's a it's a fun comedy that you can watch with a loved one if you like. Good choice there, and yeah, I, I do like that. I think we're gonna probably touch on a variety of of comedies here. I was all over the place. My the back end of my tent, top ten, and then a couple other spots that kept switching uh, in the middle there. But uh, I kind of settled on number ten for me was a 1991 comedy, which I don't think is a great reputation but it's oscar the year is 1931 and gangster snaps provolone is in control the police are powerless his rivals are helpless no one in the entire city dares to defy him except his daughter. I'm a modern 30s woman. Look! Put that away! I'm your father! She'll do anything, anywhere, with anybody. Your daughter and I are lovers. What? Did he tell you I was pregnant? What? Touchstone Pictures presents Sylvester Stallone in the story of a father. What we need is a husband. Trying to find someone. But no, look at us. Who will marry his daughter. I've decided to go away to a convent. Well, you're a little late. Maybe it'll be Anthony. But I love Thornton. Or Thornton. I want Oscar. Or Oscar. Who's Oscar? He's got pimples. Couple of dates with you and that'll clear up. But whoever she decides to spend her life with. You mean she's having the chauffeur's baby? It's sure to ruin his life. I just came from Lisa's bedroom. You and everybody else 
Sylvester Stallone, Oscar. Starring Sylvester Stallone. This was part of the oh. action movie, or somebody known as an a- action star in a comedy. John Landis directed this, of course, Blues Brothers, Animal House. And it is a 1991, but it, it is done as a screwball comedy. It moves so fast, and Stallone's at the center of all of it. And I actually think he does a pretty good job uh, in this comedic role where he's essentially a mobster who is he's trying to go straight and he has this meeting with these bankers to try to get in business with them and all kinds of confusion and stuff is happening in his house uh, there's a guy who blackmails him and and, and or I can't his accountant not blackmails but kind of says he's been stealing money from him and by the way he would like to ask his said he's in love with his daughter but there's a bit of confusion about who his daughter is in the movie and then it leads to this whole th- thing where his daughter might be pregnant she might not be pregnant and all a whole bunch of, of quirky characters come in great cast young Marissa Tomei plays his daughter in it and she's very funny how she kind of wants to get out and get away from him and and, uh, it it just everything is mixed up throughout uh tim curry shows up uh in the in in the movie is just always a just a welcome presence there as well several other just really funny character actors i went in this movie thinking okay this probably won't be great stallone (laughs) comedies have not done as well as Schwarzenegger comedies, to be honest. I I maybe I have some say that. sentimental place in my heart for these attempts that Stallone made, even the ones that are considered universally bad. But I just it was one of those movies that was in the middle of the month here where I just I just had a good time. I sat back, relaxed, and just watched this silliness happen. And I I, I was just impressed with the pace that Landis moves at throughout. I mean, it's it's kind of relentless. The whole thing is almost feels like it's a stage play, like it's one giant scene, but uh, in, in multiple rooms. And it, it was a lot on Stallone, actually. I and I think he. You know, he stepped up to bat. He had a little bit of fun with his his image. There's some, like, Tim Curry is supposed to give him allocution lessons. And so Stallone's making fun of his inability to speak clearly. And it's one that just is a little bit of a forgotten movie. And so that'll be the case with a couple of the ones that I mentioned. Ones that early 90s film that I think more people, if they give it another chance or they check it out, will have a good time. One you can watch with family. It's not, you know, there's nothing offensive or or two out there about it so surprised me that it was going to be on my 10 list but it yeah was there right so, there time so this was the first time you've seen it then is that right i think i saw it i think i rented it as a kid but i had very little i almost no memory of it because i, yeah, I do you- remember there's an opening scene with kirk douglas as uh, Stallone's father. And I had remembered that quite clearly. And I'd remember some general details about it, but it, it, I'm sure it's been, I don't know, 30 years since I since I saw it. it probably when it was first out on Torrent, that was probably the last time I saw it. So I, yeah. I did not mem- remember it that clearly, but I had a great time with it. Have you seen Oscar? It's it's one that it passed me by. I've never actually seen it. And I, I never really had the desire to come around to it. You kind of hinted towards the Schwarzenegger Stallone thing. And I think yeah, Arnold kind of translated a bit more. His comedies were a bit more successful. I want, I ended up watching a couple of those. But because uh, I know Stallone, there was, you know, I'm thinking back to Rhinestone and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Those kind of things. And that's kind of what I, Oscar came around and I just 
kind of assumed it was going to be like that. I never even gave it a, a fair chance or, or heard anything about it. This is the first time I've heard anybody talk about it, actually. Yeah, so yeah, maybe, maybe it's worth my 90 minutes. I think it is. You could do a lot, a lot worse. I, I admire the, like the ensemble cast and everybody seems to be, you know, matching each other's energy. Uh, there's all this stuff with uh, limo drivers and people coming in and out of the house and uh, the police thinking that there's all these drug deals going on in the house. It, it's a, it, it really is a fun movie and it has a good, it has a good payoff too. I, I, I kind of wish it had caught on a little bit more now that I see it. Yeah. Again, I went in with, maybe I went in with no expectations and that's why I was so happy with it, but I just thought it's, it's worth a mention. Here. Right on. Number nine for you. Okay. Number nine, this film was uh, chosen as a film that had to star Julie Haggerty. So I chose her first oh. film from a 1980 airplane. Stand by for the most extraordinary chain of events ever swept up into high adventure. Hey, Larry, where's the forklift? Forklift! It's over there for the baggage water. Airplane. Airplane is drama. Uh, this is Dr. Brody at the Mayo Clinic. There's a passenger on your Chicago flight 209er, a little girl named Lisa Davis, en route to Minneapolis. She's scheduled for a heart transplant. I want you to make sure that she's kept in a reclined position and that a continuous watch is kept on her IV. Airplane is action. Airplane is romance. I love you, Elaine. I love you. Airplane is music. There is only one river. There is only one sea. Airplane is dancing. Never has the screen been so big. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. Peter Graves. You ever seen a grown man naked? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. Leslie Nielsen. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Lloyd Bridges. Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I can make half. What a brooch? What a pterodactyl? Could you get um, Robert Stack. All right, Steve, let's face a few facts. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. Julie Haggerty. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? Can you fly this plane and land it? Robert Hayes. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. Down, get a hold of yourself. Calm down, now get back to your seat. I'll take care of this guy. Calm down, get a hold of yourself. Don't be one of the Everything's been pulled. The most incredible adventure the screen has ever created. He's coming right at us! Oh! 
The big news is... Airplane. Oh, great um, choice. So, th this isn't going to be a movie I have to recommend to anybody. Anyone that uh, has any interest in comedy knows this movie, and if they don't, they, they should. Everybody should watch this if they have any interest at all in what comedy is. An all-time classic. And I I've seen this many many times and uh but it's been a while but man it was fun to see again as soon as it starts up i just ease back into that mood you know the music starts the first joke i think is that you know the intercom at the airport with the white zone is for loading and unloading passengers and, and right off the bat i the jokes still hit even though you see them coming a mile away for the most part <laughs> i mean it's it's airplane i mean there's not much that you gotta i don't need to sell airplane to anybody so julie Haggerty, I'll, I'll just say a little something about her just because she was the connective tissue that that brought this out i've always kind of liked her she's just always yeah. comes across as so just sweet and and innocent and soft-spoken and every now and then in her movie she'll say a line that's that's just out of character and, and it's you know she talks about how we used to you know sit on the beach and watch the sunrise and then i'd sit on your face and wriggle and, and say wait what what did she just say but some yeah. people some people aren't really a fan of her her quiet delivery but i think i think she's gold in this i also loved her in a film called lost in america which i was really hoping yes. i would get a chance to do a double lost. feature but i just couldn't make it but i think she's great in the, in that movie as well i want to I watch that one again it's been it's been too long i love albert brooks and i think yeah. her and albert brooks are, are amazing in that one I, i'd actually like to get a copy of it i don't have a copy of that movie but to, i yeah, didn't i didn't until you know a few weeks ago i found it in a pawn shop for a dollar and that was that's that, well worth that's all it. i needed so so yeah, I mean, just when she's sitting at the blackjack table saying 22, 22, but anyways, we're not talking about that movie. It's, it's airplane today, but I mean, airplane's also the film that introduced serious actor, Leslie Nielsen into comedy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, this guy is now he's known for comedy, but it, at a time he wasn't. And, uh, it seemed like odd casting it at the time, but it's just a very funny movie. The joke per minute ratio is, is amazingly high. If there is a way to, you know, do a little tick every time there's a joke. I mean, it just, it's nonstop, you know, little things like Robert Hayes drinking problem. I've always loved where yeah, I know. that's what started my drinking problem. And he'd throw his, his drink in his face, the cockpit scene. Hey, have you ever seen a grown man naked? I mean, if we're just ranking comedies as the best comedies, this one is higher on this list than yeah. number nine. It might be the best movie of its kind. Whenever a parody movie comes along, they say, oh, it's the airplane of horror movies or it's the airplane yeah. of, uh, of adventure, whatever. But this constant wordplay makes me happy. You know, the surely you can't be serious. I am serious and stop calling me Shirley. I, I just love this movie. I love, I watched it not not too long ago i i'm not sure i watched it with my uncle and i'm not i don't know if he had ever seen it and oh, yeah? really one of my favorite things and I, I again i i i should check out airport because it was just that that was the main parody even though they had saturday night fever oh, uh, that's a great scene. I, I love how each character gets that little uh flashback their backstory and it, it just one backstory more ridiculous than the next it was it's a lot of fun and yeah leslie nielsen has a uh connection of course to uh, our neck of the woods he was born in regina but then i believe raised in edmonton where you are so that's uh, right so we're, we're proud of the fact that he's a canadian but he 
he mostly played villains. I mean, that, that's what he was known for. And, you know, he's dead serious in prom night. And uh, if you see his segment in Creepshow, he is an mm-hmm. evil genius in that. And that was a little well, we were used to, but people know him from this and probably more so from Naked Gun as well. But this was this was just a shock that he could do uh, the well, job that he did there. Uh, the, and- the thing is, he's dead serious in this movie too. Like he's not, yeah, he, he doesn't know he's making jokes. Like he delivers oh. every line dead serious, yeah. and that's uh, it. It hits. It's it's good. And I think maybe it's just not higher because of it's, it's not, I don't know if it's hilarious at this point in my life, you know, because you know, every joke that's coming and, and it's yeah. a lot of, it's pretty dry, but when it, when it does hit, it still hits pretty good. It's, it's fun. No, people should, should check it out. I mean, it's, it, it's all of its time and, and not, not like my choice Oscar didn't have anything in it that where I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this would get you into trouble now. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of the movies we'll end up talking about probably somebody will get their arms crossed will get offended and that's the nature of comedy that's where comedy is so difficult now i think because there's such a careful line that you have to cross or else you'll get canceled or get ripped apart and we're in such a sensitive time right now for for everything but comedy especially somebody who has never seen airplane is too young to remember it will watch it and will get offended by like the the security stuff or like the bombings or the terrorists. Like, Sometimes people are looking for something to, to yeah. be offended and maybe it's the jive talking passengers. Maybe that's that, the one that, thing. That but. Probably wouldn't uh, work now. Excuse it, me, stewardess. I speak jive. <laughs> but I'm laughing about it. I mean, it's funny. It's, it's funny I mean, there, there's, there's the, what the seven year old girl that she's getting a coffee with the other little boy. And she says, I, I take my coffee black, like my men. Uh, I mean, that's as, as racy really is. I mean, I think there is a, a, a nude scene as well, but it's, it's not uh, that bad. No, I just think if you, if you're watching a comedy uh, and you're not in the mood to have a, uh, a good time, then maybe you should watch something else or maybe not watch anything <laughs> at all. Like, you just, I don't yeah. Know. I, I forgot. I should. I wanted to shout out Lloyd Bridges in it as well. Where he, yeah, uh, it's so funny. Uh, he he uh, the work he did with those those guys through the years, through Hot Shots and all these other movies too. He was another serious yeah. actor yeah. who became a com- comedy legend. He has this running gag in the movie where his uh, it starts off well. It looks like I picked the wrong day to quit drinking coffee, and then he, he goes back to that. But the addictions he's given up keep getting worse and worse and he said well it looks like i picked the wrong day to quit sniffing glue <laughs> finally it's, it's just one of those little gems if people haven't seen it they really should should check it out unless they're in that narrow category of people that just don't <laughs> like to laugh or have fun i mean that's so so my number nine is a goofy movie but it is it is so they throw the kitchen sink and different parts of the house in there and i it feels like the writers who uh, i will mention who they're one of them is in a moment it, uh, because she was the reason for this uh, choice because it was the funny females day it it feels like they were just riffing in the writer's room and they didn't actually pull back or take anything out from all of their wild ideas and they all put in one enjoyable movie called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar Stand alone out on the street, and he bought a new nickel. Oh, he comes at home, and we got nothing to be guilty of. I know, I'm in the mountains near or home. 
Hey, Barb. Yes, Star. You know what I just love? What? Movie trailers. <gasps> Me too. I like how they're little movies about another movie before a different movie. Sometimes I find myself watching a trailer for a movie while I'm watching a totally different movie. What? Me too. <gasps> Barb, what if we had a movie? What? <laughs> then we'd have to have a trailer. Oh, yes, listen. I wouldn't want to give anything away, though, about the movie. Me neither, especially our faces. Gosh, I can almost see our trailer now. I'd love it if it came out February 12th. Gosh, I love that date. Funny female I'm talking about is Kristen Wiig. I've just, there was a stretch where I, I, I'm kind of these days a defender of Saturday Night Live, but there was a stretch where I wasn't really watching it. And I started to hear about this woman. And then I, it was actually Bridesmaids that I saw, which could have been a candidate for that day, but I thought it was a little bit too obvious. And I was like, she's hilarious, but she's also a really, really good actor. And to me, there's been, oh, in the history of that show, they've sometimes had people that are good at two minute sketches, but not very good at carrying a feature film but they also did to be able to have somebody who can actually play some serious beats as well as she does too this one is just a goofy fun movie about these two women who live in this town and uh they worked in this store and they think the store is the greatest place in the world and they get to visit with their best friend every day and they actually i think live together spend all their time together but they're always just so happy to be with each other and they talk to each other and like over talk with each other and they they're having the best time but unfortunately the store that they're working is closing and they're not quite sure what to do with their lives and uh they had run into somebody in their town who had just gone to this vista del mar in florida and they decide to go down there and uh, have this holiday and it, it is it is just so ridiculous as they kind of learn to you know take care of themselves individually and they find themselves in the middle of this ridiculous it's almost like 80s comedy type of plot involving this person who wants to un unleash plague on Vista Del Mar and we get to find out the backstory behind this uh, Kristen Wiig also plays the villain okay. and uh, yeah so she's in, 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 in two roles and Jamie Dornan who's again I he was in the movie Belfast which I'm a big fan of and he's been in a lot of serious stuff he's a sport he is hilarious as this, this guy who's supposed to enact this evil plan because he's in love with his boss who is basically using him and then he he, he meets these women and he, he he's just so funny and just like you're you're watching it end uh and this is in the best possible way it's for no reason whatsoever out of nowhere there's suddenly a musical number that happens but the musical number is absolutely hilarious and i don't want to spoil just one of the the great moments for you but i i really did not know that i needed to have a very famous celebrity voice a talking crab on the beach <laughs> giving an epic 
speech with this Oscar-worthy score behind it. It is one very, very random moment in the middle of the film, but that's exactly what I needed that particular day. I have to find this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gushing about it, but it's, uh, I, and I know it's on Crave in Canada here. And yeah, you, I think you said you don't have Crave. It's, I mean, it'd be worth a rental or something. It is, I'm not doing justice to it. it it's just one that people have to see and experience it. Put your brain on hold. Just watch what these wonderful women have put forward for you and yeah i i just had a huge smile on my face the whole time i i <laughs> on a uh, another podcast I, I listened to uh film feast uh matt bledsoe he actually put it on i think his top 10 list for 2021 and like i think he was the only guy i was hearing kind of praise it a little bit and i thought well it wasn't a it wasn't a big theatrical release was it no it was it was a victim of uh, the pandemic. It was supposed to be a summer release. Uh, I think the summer of 2020, it was supposed to come out. It got pushed into kind of January or February of, of 2021. But it's it, it's a lot of fun. Like it reminded me of the first time I saw Austin Powers, for example. And I was just way, way, be- didn't know a whole lot about, but it was way better than I expected. I, that might be the theme with the ones that are new watches that I've put on here is way better than I expected. And this was towards the end of the month. It, it was just a, such a great, such a great movie. So much fun. Oh, right on. It, it, it's rare I don't like Kristen Wiig. There's some movies that she's been in that I, I haven't liked, but it wasn't necessarily her fault. This is one I... She's a she is a a writer and creator on this, and she does a great job of acting in it as well. Kristen Wiig's a, a good choice as far as you know to represent that day by the theme. And as you said, there was a period where she was the reason to tune into to SNL for a time. And I and yeah, I have no problem putting my brain on hold. So uh, if you looked at the stack of movies that I'm talking about today, the ten, you'd know I have no problem putting my brain on hold and just having a good time. I, I'm not too critical, uh, especially I find for comedies, I, its goal is to make me happy and hopefully bring some laughter out of me just make me feel good for for a bit and it, i remember seeing some spots for this film that you're, you're talking about and they're weird it, spots. It, it, yeah it appealed to me it was different it looked kind of offbeat and uh I, I it looked like it has that feel like it i watched it and thought i don't think this is, looks like something that's going to make a lot of money but i might like it yeah. so uh, I, i'm gonna have to try and uh, find a way to get it out i, I feel like it's gonna be in 10 years 20 years it's gonna be a bit of a cult classic Could once be. more people discover it. it it just kind of got thrown out there on streaming and not a lot of people saw it or heard about it but it's uh i, I saw a more than one Kristen Wiig movie, but this was the one that stuck with me. So we're on to uh, number eight. Number eight. Okay. This was a day I I had to watch something uh, that was considered a controversial comedy. So the movie I chose for that night was banned in several countries when it uh, first came out in 1979. Uh, Several theaters had protesters outside. Some people called it blasphemous. I call it hilarious. It's Monty Python's Life of Brian. Everyone knows the glorious story of the child born in a faraway manger. Well, this isn't that story. This is Monty Python's all-new Life of Brian. He was born into the golden age of Roman rule. Do we have any crucifixions today? 139, sir. Special celebration. It was a time of miracles. I was blind, now I can see. 
friendly persuasion and gracious invaders. But there was just one thing on everyone's mind. Sex, 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 that's all they think about it. <laughs> In those days, getting stoned wasn't against the law. It was the law. Things looked bad for the people of Jerusalem. Still a few crosses left. Until Brian dropped in. He was a born leader. Brothers, brothers, we should be struggling together. We are. A potential martyr. What would they do to me? Oh, you'll probably get away with crucifixion. Crucifixion? Yeah. First offense. And his mother's joy. And now it's up to Brian to deliver a despairing nation from the throes of oppression. <laughs> Tough luck, Jerusalem. This is the life of Brian. Just when you thought you were saved. It's Monty Python's Life of Brian. He wasn't the Messiah. He was a very naughty boy. Terrific race, the Romans. Terrific. I was a Monty Python fan way back before I even understood most of the humor. Like I, I was a young uh, school age, like elementary, early, like grade six, seven kind of thing. And I was always kind of get my family into it. And, you know, it, I think it helped Larry get into it. Uh, you know, my cousins would come over and we wouldn't really understand some of it, but, uh, but we'd laugh at, at most of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's still some controversy with this movie, but I, I don't think it's as controversial as its reputation. Uh, it's, it's still, it's still funny. You know, it takes, it's, it's a, the life of Brian who I guess was born in a manger next door to Jesus. So uh, he's, he's kind of mistaken for him at first. And then, you know, the, by the wise men and in a, <laughs> in a funny opening scene, but then it goes on, you know, he gets, his life is kind of grows up alongside. There's some similarities but uh it's it's just a it's a smart funny smart and funny dumb movie i don't know how yeah, to put it yeah, but smart, smart and dumb that's absolutely it i mean the more you watch it you realize how smart it is but yeah. yet yet there, there's some stuff which is really goofy yeah and some some bits feel kind of like little monty python sketches little bits put together to to make a film for example the one pops into my mind first is the stoning scene which is is one of my favorites i love the stoning scene where Women aren't allowed to go to stoning, uh, but they're the only ones that are there, so they all buy yeah, fake beards. And uh, it's uh, it's it's a I love that scene. You think, who threw that stone? He did. I mean, he did. It's <laughs> you know the wise men bring Brian gold, frankincense, and myrrh at the beginning, and his mother says, "Well, thanks for the gold and frankincense. Maybe don't worry about the myrrh so much next time." It's it's uh, I, I think it's aged quite well. It's if you're a fan of Monty Python, you I mean you know about this movie. Is I mean I'm not. You're bringing all these new films to my mind. I, again, I'm not trying to sell the life of Brian on, on anyone that uh, isn't aware of it. But it's again, I, I think you should be. So many uh, scenes in there just uh, just crack me up to this day. The, the little old man.
man that's like arguing about how crucifixion isn't that bad. It could be worse. He could be stabbed. Like, stop saying that, weirdo. But <laughs> it's it's just a very quotable movie too. I mean, it, it's like the nerdiest thing that I used to do is we just start quoting Monty Python films and sketches, and and especially of of all their movies, probably this one. Just the lines that we would just repeat endlessly in school to each other. I don't. I mean, thoughts. I mean, I'm sure you're you're well aware of. I think you watched it as well this month, didn't you? Well, I, I was gonna say you, you might hear more about that a little bit later okay. on. So, so I, I think yeah, it's, if we're both watching it this month, taste, you have very good taste. That's all I'll say about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, if we both watched it, it's too good to not be brought up twice. Then, and, and I, so I, I was curious to see if there would be a few where we would uh, overlap. So that's good to know because uh, uh, October certainly had a few of those. My number eight, and yeah, yeah, I've been kind of all over the place with kind of like the back half of of, of my list here. Where, where would which movie would go where? And this was like uh, remind you of your childhood now in a way i i was i was struggling to find something that day and i was like okay it's a movie i, I enjoyed and i saw in my childhood that's how i took it initially and I guess this wouldn't be my childhood, but after I watched it, I was like, actually, a couple things with this movie, not exactly the same, but a couple things do relate to my life, uh, especially in my early 20s, 2001 and 2002, uh, in in those years in particular. I watched 1986's Crocodile Dundee. He was raised in the land down under, where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists, and lives by his wits. Two beers, all right? One for me, one for me, mate. (laughs) A legendary figure about to encounter a world more treacherous than any he has ever known. G'day. Big Dundee from Australia. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Just came down for a couple of days. Probably see you around. Fine. This your first trip to New York? First trip anywhere. Well, we might just have to give you one for free. <laughs> yeah. One what? How are you finding New York? Get a balloon to take us along. That's why I love it, because I fit right in. G'day. Hello. Sorry. G'day. Look. Well, if you can manage, Walt, I'd like to stay a while. Wouldn't have anything to do with a certain lady writer, would it? Paramount Pictures presents... Your pal, Senor Meek. Paul Hogan. Um, hey, my man, what's happening? Uh, wait. As Crocodile Dundee. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And your wallet. He's got a knife. <laughs> a knife? Crocodile Dundee. And 
and I haven't watched this movie in in a long, long time, and it is so so well written. There are some things in there that very eighties, but that's that's okay. I, I don't. It's not like something where I I would be shocked by. I think it has actually on the whole aged very well. Uh, Paul Hogan is Crocodile Dundee, and there's a story that I. A New York reporter is uh, trying to chase down in Australia and goes to the very remote outback to find him. And then she lives in his world for several days. You know, it's a it's a Hollywood movie, so there is a bit of a flirtation between the two of them. And she decides as a social experiment to take this man who's lived his entire life in the outback, has never been on a plane, never seen a c- city, like even in Australia, he hasn't been to a city, and fly him to New York and... And see how he handles 1986 New York. And so it's very much a fish out of water story. It starts off with her being the fish out of water. Then he's the fish out of of water. And it is interesting how like his his charm and his friendliness works in, at the time, a very cynical and at points like 1986 New York is different than the New York as, you know, kind of the post-Giuliani years. And I know it has its moments now, but it's it still is a very different place, 70s and and 80s New York. For me, the connection I have is when I was 21 turned 22, I lived in Sydney, Australia. Now, I wasn't in the outback. I was in the big city (laughs) because I am more of a city guy. So I I did get to do do some traveling and I was in some small towns. It was nothing like where Crocodile Dundee would be uh, living or would be uh, hanging out there. But it gave me a different... I I had an idea about Australia and none of that was actually true in Sydney because it's a metropolitan city. Right. But then when I, I went to the smaller towns and I would, especially up in the state of Queensland, I started to see the Yabo effect, they would call it, which is kind of a word for uh, hicks or or, or uh, rednecks, if you will, where you start to see the you know, I might type of uh, uh, thing, the, uh, you know, the dog in the truck. And uh, I didn't see many people drink a Foster's, by the way, but anyway, that was... <laughs> that uh but i had that the very next year i ended up living in new york city brooklyn new york specifically i'd been to new york oh, before wow. and but those two years helped me grow up because i i'd really i'd traveled a bit but i hadn't been outside of saskatoon living anywhere else and suddenly i lived in two major cities on two different continents so that fish out of water feeling i oddly enough now reflecting on it and looking at crocodile dundee i, I, I kind of related to that a little bit Plus, yeah. it was nice to see all these locations I've been to and I know really well in New York in a 1986 perspective and like where he is and all that. I, I just, a, any New York movie, I get a kick out of that, but this time especially. So I had a good time with it. It's a, I mean, it is a, a very soft movie too. There isn't a whole lot that's all that edgy about it. I mean, Crocodile Dundee, he, he meets some some transgender folk that uh, was completely like, he, he's not aware that he's, he's talking to somebody who uh, used to be a man when uh, he's flirting with a, a girl at a bar. He ends up talking, befriending this hooker, not really realizing that she's a <laughs> hooker. You know, there's a, lo- a few pieces like that, but I still think, you know, this is on the whole could work for most families and it, there isn't oh, yeah. there isn't yeah, a whole lot to get offended about so i i'm a fan I, I i just kind of regret that it's been this long since i last saw uh, crocodile dundee it was, it was a lot of fun and it was a it was a blast going back to that one yeah it's been a long time for me i know i've 
it's not long ago but and it was huge back then like it was it was everywhere and and then it came it was on tv it seemed like every every month or something uh you know on a friday night just on some channel yeah you couldn't escape it for some reason and it's been so long since i've seen it i i i think the first thing I think about is, uh, yeah, I mean, the commercials for Foster's after yeah. I mean Paul Hogan became yes, you know, really big, but uh, I don't. I mean, he didn't really go on to do too much else that matched that afterwards. But uh, yeah, that was the last from the past here in that title. That's definitely the role that I haven't seen. There, there was a, I don't know, recently. I think he did a new Crocodile Dundee movie. I, I saw some advertisement for one. I, I don't um, know how long ago that was, but so I guess you, you might as well. I mean, try to get the the retro fans out for another one but yeah diminishing returns i think um the second on that series but the first one was just such a he was up for an academy award for writing i think for it i mean as as a co-writer of the movie so it, it was an enormous film and he got more than his 15 minutes and it's one of those uh could only happen in the 80s types of stories like some of these some of these characters that were famous in the 80s and no other time this one's earned it is a really good movie i mean you know i i think all of the other cartoonish stuff that happened afterwards i i would just suggest people go back and, and check this one out again yeah i think the, i think the fish out of water stuff for me uh ramped up a lot more once they got back to new york as well just yeah. because that's maybe what i'm more familiar with you know the the north american city so yeah. Then we got to laugh at him being out of place, whereas I can't relate to what it's like. Uh, you know, I'd be feeling like she was out in the outback, but but no good, good choice. I did like, and I mean, I, I can't say you know I, I spent enough time around folks like this, but uh, there's that bar bar scene pretty early on when when uh, when she first meets him, and he's talking about wrestling the crocodiles and all of these all of these things. But there, there is a real drive in that world to be like a outdo each other and be the manliest man type of yeah. thing uh and like the, the, this great outdoors person and and so he he is bragging and he can see who's there and he's putting on a little bit of a show and he probably does this every night and everybody kind of knows knows it and some people don't like him and and the, so those pieces felt very true in those early scenes but yeah they they do spend most of the time in new york again it was a hollywood movie designed for american audiences again i i don't remember talking to many people in australia to kind of figure out how they felt about it I, I i don't think at the time i lived there that there were that many people that completely appreciated that characterization because for a while that's all people thought every australian was crocodile yeah. and they all drink fosters and that's you know and said get i might and you know yeah wrote them kangaroos. i mean it's like canadians with maple syrup and saying a and being overly polite and nice i mean some some little part of that some of it's for some people true but <laughs> it's a stereotype and he, he kind of kind of helped create that or perpetrate that stereotype but the movie itself uh, it, it holds up it's a good one yeah definitely i'm gonna stay in 1986 and i'm gonna keep the same theme that you just had uh, the film that reminds you of your childhood i was 13 years old when john landis directed three amigos They were the biggest stars of their day. The three amigos are history. But that was yesterday. Look, boys, I know showbiz. The something always turns up. Telegram for the three amigos. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
Aquari. The Free Amigos. Steve Martin. Ah! Chevy Chase. Do you have anything besides Mexican food? Martin Short. The Three Amigos. Throw down your gun. Not you, Dusty. Sorry. Three amigos. I'll come back one day. Why? And that is a movie that just held such a strong, uh, strong memory for me uh, from my childhood. When I think about the topic, a move, a comedy that reminds me of, of your childhood, this was immediately the first one that popped in my, in my mind. So I was like, okay, well, let's see what else is there. And I said, no, no, it doesn't matter. Just let's just do this one. I felt like. It was made for me at that point. It was made for a silly 13-year-old boy who loves Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. And and that was me. I just constantly, and it's very clean comedy too. So uh, I watched it with friends, cousins alone. We would do the Amigo salute all the time. Just, uh, <laughs> and I, I find it's, uh, it's one of those movies, if, if I'm sad or just feeling dull, this is one that I can just put on and, it's just on and, and it just fixes the mood as soon as the opening theme starts and they're singing the, uh, the Amigos ballad or, or whatever it's called. Uh, it's, it's just a good time, happy comedy. Uh, and this is what I was looking for. Of all the movies on my list, it's probably the one that I could, uh, you know, probably recite the entire movie while it's on as well. It's not a movie. It's a fun movie to watch your first time with me because I'm probably going to be that annoying guy that's saying every line as well as him. But, but it's, it's weird that I can still have this much fun with the same movie. Um, of course it's, those were our three stars. They're Hollywood actors that are um, mistakenly hired to fight the infamous or infamous El Guapo who they think they're going to go put a show on for, uh, but they find out later that, uh, you know, he's a real evil man and the bullets are real. And, uh, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, Martin Short play, uh, play dumb guys, uh, as good as anybody, especially back then. I was, uh, really a big uh, Chevy Chase fan. I, lo I loved the vacation movies, uh, you know, anything that he was in. I mean, Steve Martin, same thing. You know, I loved the jerk and, you know, Amber Two Brains, all of his stuff. So this was like, and then you throw Martin Short in there. So this was like a dream cast for me. Some things I, I learned after reading a little bit about this movie is uh, is the different versions that we almost could have had of of this film. Uh, like I heard originally, it was supposed to star Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, and John Belushi. Okay. And so picturing that, I mean, that's uh, that's interesting. It's it's a different film. And I read another word where at one time apparently Spielberg was considering directing it. And he wanted for his cast, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, and Robin Williams. I would love to watch that version. I, I, I mean, I love, I love my three amigos, but I am curious to what that movie would have been, but I, I'm not sure he went on to something else, dropped it or, but, and then this is the film that we got. And at that age, my whole childhood, I yearned for a sequel. I thought I want to see more amigos silliness. And, and I think I've seen a little interview once with Steve Martin, where he thought at one point they could have. Um, and just jump right into the comedy because it's a sequel. You don't need to set up or introduce people. It's just, just go. I, I would have been down for that easily as a, uh, as a kid. I also heard uh, Sam Kinison apparently had a, a scene that was uh, 
deleted from there. He was a crazy cannibalistic mountain man and uh, they cut the scene out and destroyed it. And, and now it's gone forever. And it's, it's a shame oh. that we lose these things. Cause uh, I'm, I would really love to see that. They, they probably didn't see a future where there would be DVDs and then Blu-rays yeah. where you would get the deleted scenes and then you could, you could see it and judge for yourself because uh, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 <laughs> that sounds like it's, it's that definitely would be a good role for him. That would be, but maybe it went a little bit off the rails. I, I, <laughs> I well, because there is a, a period in the uh, kind of in the middle of the film where it it changes tone a little bit, where uh, they go off on this mission to find the singing bush and summon the invisible swordsman, and they never say where they got these instructions from or anything. But I've never questioned it before. It's just uh, it's it's silly. It's ridiculous. It's maybe one of the funniest scenes of the movie, but uh, but it, it is a little bit totally different. So I'm not sure if there's something missing in in that area but it's just a, a happy sunday afternoon good time feeling movie uh, it's one that uh I, again quotes that i just use as part of my daily life anytime somebody anytime i open up a birthday present uh, i yell it's a sweater <laughs> and, uh, you know anytime i have numerous anything my sister always asks if i have a plethora and uh, you know we call each other sons of a motherless goat and it's it's just one of those films that just a line makes me smile because i think of uh, and a special shout out for the dance number uh where they do the dance routine for my little buttercup in the bar and everybody thinks the three amigos are these really uh you know dangerous people and they're doing a little song and dance bit that is the funniest dance number in movie history as, as far as i'm concerned it just does it for me. And it's been so long since I I, I I watched it, but it was so long ago. I've been wanting to see this again for for a long time. And it's just another one I'm going to have to check out as far as uh, when people talk about bits and I sort of remember them. Larry once talked about his two favorite Chevy Chase moments. And there's this moment where they're both Martin Short and Steve Martin are out of water. Oh right. yes, <laughs> yeah, and and then they take a look at at Chevy Chase's all this water, and he's pouring it on himself and everything, and uh, swishing it, spitting it out, and then he puts yeah, on a chapstick. Yeah, yeah that's uh, again, that's just uh, seems to me just such a well, it's a stupid comedy. There's just some intelligence behind it because those three men are so intelligent and so good at that. I, I mean, I'm curious. Uh, we we know a lot more about. Chevy Chase than we did maybe in the eighties as as fans because he was among my favorites yeah. as well and I, I I guess he is beyond a monster to deal with depending on who you talk to but I, I've also heard some other people say it's a bit exaggerated but I, I I don't know if if there wasn't a sequel because of him because certainly Martin Short and Steve Martin have gone off they've done shows together they oh, traveled yeah. the cities murder in the building on um, on Disney Plus, there or Star, like kind of the new Fox affiliate yeah. or whatever that Disney bought up there, uh, is one of uh, like the kind of funniest and kind of interesting new shows. And so they just love working with each other. And Chevy would have been, you know, a welcome presence even for you know some cameos and seeing them all together again. And I just uh, I hope that wasn't the reason that they couldn't get a a sequel together because. I mean, I if that came out today, you know, a, a movie with the three of them, three old amigos, or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if that would work. Theater to see it, I'll be happy to to go and pay my money for it. So I don't know. It might be kind of sad to see now. 
I think would, I think their window passed unless they're going to re you know recast it with I don't know who you do these days if you're going to remake it or something but the yeah like if uh, you get, yeah I, I I don't and I'm not sure I'd want to see a new cast for it no. I mean I'm sure there's some people who could make it really funny um, thinking like a, a Charlie Day kind of guy maybe or I don't know <laughs> but it, it just wouldn't be the same no it just it's maybe one that's going a little bit higher because it holds that that love connection to my youth, I guess, but uh, I'll st- I stand by that. I guess one thing that happened was uh, it was on Johnny Carson show. I believe when that movie came out, like Siskel and Ebert just ripped it apart. And I don't know if it was one or, or the other Siskel or Ebert that was on the tonight show, the same night that Chevy chase was there promoting uh, three amigos. And he, apparently there's a famous clip of him just ripping into them about uh their criticism of uh of three amigos and how it was uh so uh when he was the next guest or something wasn't yeah yeah he was yeah he was the next (laughs) guest after that and he just yeah i think it was i think it was a little bit tense there but uh that's that that would be uh and you have to promote your movie you have to defend your movie so i i i get it that's awesome uh my number seven is another movie i saw as a kid and i haven't seen for a long time since this was actually this was the last day because i believe it was small towns was uh the theme for the last day of the month and uh i decided i was actually traveling by car i wasn't driving while i was doing this by the way i was a passenger from (laughs) calgary at the end of my february break and uh so i it wasn't the most ideal way to watch it It wasn't comfortable or wasn't a tv or whatever i was watching it essentially uh on my phone but i watched slap shot i'm placing a personal bounty on the head of tim mccracken you can't put a bounty on a man's head i just did go get him killer It's wild. It's outrageous. It's outrageously funny. Paul Newman, Coach Reggie Dunlop in this supercharged world of hockey, invites you to meet the crazies who make it that way. The players. Murderers Row. The wives. The fans. The managers. We're losing! Teamwork, guys. More team. They're burying us alive! Who are these guys? They brought their toys with them. And hustling of all, Paul Newman. Oh, you are very clever. Leave him. My wife left me. I was driving her crazy. Get out! You can't make him win. You're a losing coach. Okay, guys. Show us what you got. Behind the comedy, the sex, the wild excitement, this is the absorbing story of one man fighting to hang on in a world gone absurd. They don't want you to score goals. They want blood. They're booing you. There's never been a film like Slapshot. There may never be another. From 1977, starring Paul Newman, George Roy Hill, directed and uh, one of the the great movies about hockey. Oh yeah, uh, it is. I think as a kid, I didn't get. I'm actually surprised I saw it because of some of the scenes. <laughs> 
stuff in it but uh it i i wouldn't have got anything other than the hockey scenes and uh and the hansen brothers were colorful characters and all that but uh i'm not sure what beyond that and i i knew you've already the point paul newman was i thought of him as an old man what's that old man doing skating on the ice which is funny because his age is probably not much different than uh not far off from what i am now but th- it is such a clever movie i know why I, it confirmed why it's a classic to me and everything about it seems so exaggerated and ridiculous mm-hmm. yet there is an element or a grain of truth about the world of hockey as i understand it because i went and talked to some people who are hockey coaches and hockey players uh, shortly after watching this oh i just saw this uh, again and they said yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the violence and the the strip tease and all the all, all of those pieces in there. Sure, it's it's a lot, but that idea of like you know giving the fans some entertainment with the fights and that rivalries and defending your team and all all those pieces. Oh, yeah. Those are those are very true to the world of hockey there. So. Well, and especially the small town uh, minor league teams as well. It's it's a Big little time. bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's very fitting for the theme. And how many you always hear hockey teams on the bus? They're they're always watching Slapshot. I mean, it's yeah. everybody's uh, introduction. No matter how how old that movie gets, I think it's going to stand stand time. And you know, sure, every well, minor yeah. hockey team that's going on a road trip is going to end up watching. Slapshot, you know, like 30 years from now, it's still going to be in there. And, and I feel like it still works now because it's not that different. Like th- this town essentially is going to be disappearing. And we've heard about these towns who have completely gone away because the main industry, everybody has been laid off. Everybody's unemployed. Yeah. Nobody can afford to support this hockey team anymore. Plus they're a losing team. And just in this attempt to try to save the team, the player coach, Paul Newman comes up with this idea of setting up this this lie with a local reporter that uh, there's some buyers in Florida that are interested in buying up the team and they get gets the team excited about it and it's all through just just violence just beating <laughs> up the other team mercilessly and really their their championship they they start to win when they do this and they get themselves into the championship and the championship <laughs> is it's just it's just teams beating the hell out of each other, and it is so funny. And it, like, there's there's no hockey actually being played. Very in little, the, yeah. <laughs> first period, they try to play actual hockey, and the fans suddenly are turning on them, and they're they're just not doing well. But then when you when you see what this turns into in the second period and onwards, it's uh, it, it it is it is a lot of fun. Uh, I would say this is truly an R-rated movie. I'm not sure I would watch this with young kids. Oh yeah, but I think you know there, there's a lot more controversial stuff that you know 12 and up or whatever could probably handle this. And like somebody who's really into hockey, but I think if you just like movies, you like comedy, you like satire, you like a good story. Uh, I'm an enormous Paul Newman fan, so I will watch anything that Paul Newman is in as well. Uh, it checks all those boxes. And and it, it's one that I I think I started off having it at 10th. And when I kept re-examining my list is it keeps staying with me. It's like it kept moving up and up the list. If you talk to me in a week, it might be up even, even higher. higher on the list. But for now, it's, uh, it's number seven. Yeah, and every, the thing everybody remembers, if they haven't seen it for a long time, the thing they all remember is the Hansons. It's the first thing that pops in your head usually, right? Uh, the, with the, the glasses and the and the fighting and the <laughs> the stories, and it, it's that's such a, a good movie. 
Um, the, the Hansons, they're still doing this. Like they still go to, uh, you know, hockey tournaments for minor teams and they're signing autographs and, and yeah. it's, uh, it's crazy that this is what they're doing still these days. But yeah, I, I fully endorse uh, Slapshot. I, I would advise anybody to pretend there was no such thing as a sequel. Okay. Um, I was going to ask if I, I haven't watched the sequel. Your, your life is better for it. It's one yeah. of it's, I think there's three of them now, but it, it, it does tarnish. It, it does hurt. So don't buy a box set, keep Slapshot by your heart. And, uh, and that's, it. And maybe the Slapshot sequels tell you what Three Amigos 2 could have been. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we were just happy to have Three Amigos on its own. Well, it's like we were happy to see uh, Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels do Dumb and Dumber again. It's We didn't want to have to wait 25 years or whatever it was, but yeah, it's that just was not one the of the same. ones I watched. And oh, you did. That's right. And I guess... I knew it was going to be bad, so I relaxed into it, and I actually had a better time. Spoilers, you're not going to be hearing that title, but at the same time, I I laughed a lot more than when I saw it in theaters and was with my dad there trying to relive the magic of seeing it in 1994 in, uh, in theaters. It wasn't... Yeah, uh, yes, yes, I think it's no. the right time, the right place, the right mood to... Yeah. Different, yeah. right? Time had passed, and time had passed for the Fairleys too, I guess. So, well, I guess I'll hit my number six. So, this one we're going. Uh, I was hitting some old, old favorites for the last ones. Now, this is one. Uh, this one's going a little bit higher because this one makes the list higher than some undeniable classics. But the reason is because I was shocked and I guess surprised happily with how this one caught me. The, the laughs just hit me and I was in the mood and I did not expect to laugh like I did. The tears at times that this movie brought me pushed this movie up to number six. And it is The Brothers Grimsby. Seb, that's the couple that's adopting us. You are coming with me, right, Nobby? I'd never leave my little brother. We've decided to adopt one of the brothers, Mr. Lowsley. These boys are inseparable. It would break their hearts. Sir, are you sure about sending Agent Graves? He's the best I ever trained. For 28 years, I've been searching for my baby brother. You haven't seen anyone who looks like this. I hope I don't, I don't die before I get old. We finally found your brother. He's gonna be at this posh event tomorrow. Eyes on the target. Finally, I can make things right. Nobby? Oh my God. Take him out! Because of you, my shot was compromised. A huge manhunt to find the rogue secret agent. I'm gonna help. Just stay away from me. Don't worry, brother. I won't leave ya. Don't worry, it's bulletproof. You can't help oh, no. us. We've got bulletproof glass. Oh, That pellet was filled with a toxin, and I'll be dead in 90 seconds if you don't suck it out. No! You can suck it. Well, you can let me die. Okay. What would you like written on your gravestone? Suck it! And in what font would you like that? Bring me Sebastian Graves. No! I lost him forever. I'm useless. You are not useless. Who's the man who can get me pregnant without even waking me up? Me. Who's the man who's never even read a book? Me. And who's the man who had sex with me in a police station without even getting arrested? That wasn't me. Oh, never mind that. 
have guts. I disagree, Ukrainian Ben Affleck. Oh, Laura is, eh? <laughs> I understand why you love guns so much. I mean, it completely detaches you from the guilt of your actions. Oh, will you stop shooting everything? With Sasha okay. Baron Cohen. Everybody knows Sasha Baron Cohen as, uh, you know, Borat's the first thing you think of. And then there's Bruno and, you know, the characters that he does. Now he kind of, he loses himself inside another character, like a soccer hooligan, I guess is, is probably the best way to describe him. Um, not overly intelligent, but now this one is not a Bruno Borat type, uh, unsuspecting oh. hidden camera movie. It's a scripted comedy. Like, uh, it's the other one he did, like uh, the dictator, that, that kind of idea. So I, I had so many laughs with this movie and way harder than i thought i would i was just uh, in that mood and it's not for everybody but it was for i laughed my my ass off and it's very over the top it's an action comedy with uh, a lot of lowbrow gross out humor as well but there's also some heart in there i mean the heart kind of surprised me i mean there's not a lot of heart <laughs> but there, there's a little bit there's a there's a lot of uh you know other stuff that I, I can't even talk about. It's a story about two young boys that were separated in an orphanage at a, at a young age. And and the one played by Sasha Baron Cohen, he's dedicated his life to trying to find his brother again. And his brother is played by uh, Mark Strong, who grew up to be uh, like a, a secret agent, action, I guess, secret agent, spy, whatever you want to call him, that kind of kind of person so they're very very different from each other but there is like i said there's some heart there with the relationship of the brothers but there's uh also i think especially at its climax i every stupid emotion that i had inside me just hit me at the same time i was laughing and and crying at the weird mixture i had of family sweetness and and stupid absurdity of the whole situation and uh if if you have seen it there's an i guess you know the phrase are we going to address the elephant in the room if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about if if you haven't, I, I can't even say anything other than the elephant scene. If you want to make it your point to, to watch this movie, there's the most talked about uh, scene of the movie deals with elephants. And okay. it's probably the most extreme scene out of a very extreme comedian's career. And that's saying something for Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. I remember, I, I'm not, you know what the scene is that I'm talking about? I don't, I haven't okay. watched it. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna leave that there because it it that I I think my wife may it may have lost my wife a bit at this point because it, it's pretty uh it's pretty <laughs> it's I remember watching Sasha and Cohen was on I think Conan once a late night talk show promoting this movie and so he said okay I brought a clip from my movie and they were laughing because Conan knew what clip he brought and uh, it was the elephant scene and uh, and he said you brought this scene and I've seen it we can't actually show this scene so they played it for the audience but all they could show was just the audience's reaction which was kind of brilliant marketing because everybody wanted to see what what is this like the audience was killing themselves laughing covering their face like make that oh my god expression and I mean, that in itself, that's kind of hilarious that he brought a clip that they couldn't show on TV. Yeah, yeah he, he promotes his, uh, his movies differently and uh, does well. But I feel like this isn't one that everybody knows. When I, when I mention it, a lot of people tell me that they've never heard of it. Uh, if, they, if, they like, if they don't get offended easily and if you like that kind of thing, I'll tell you, my, my, fate was, my face was damp. My cheeks were damp at the end and, uh, and, my, and they hurt a bit. And it gets its spot on this list just because good movie or not, it hit me on the, on the right day. Yeah. Uh, and I had a lot of laughs. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think my wife loved it. 
<laughs> nearly as yeah. much as I did, but uh, so probably get yeah. I mean, yeah, because I, I, mean, I she she did I, have her laughs too. She did laugh yeah, at it. I mean, because I, I didn't hear great things, but I didn't also look too closely at at reviews or anything at the time. It seemed like it kind of came out and then disappeared, and it felt like it was a little bit of a a, a transition time for Sasha Baron Cohen, where we had Borat, but then Bruno wasn't quite Borat and he was trying to dictator and some other movies, but they weren't getting the same attention. So he, he would show up in supporting roles in, in some other films, which that, that kind of got him a little bit more, yeah. more clout, I guess. And like, there's some pretty a level filmmakers who worked with him and still want to work with him. I mean, he was up for an Academy award for uh, the trial, of the Chicago seven last year, the same year that he got a nomination for uh, writing for uh, uh, the Borat sequel. So he's kind of back again, but the Brothers Grimsby seem to have been in this in-between period where it was just kind of uh, forgotten about. So I, I, I feel like you're, you're giving me a list of movies here to, to check out here, and I'm uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. See, I'm not promising I'm going to like it, but I, I, I will check it out because what you describe sounds great, and I I mean, I, I've seen this guy do everything. Uh, he's a performance artist, and so I I'm not sure I'm going to be surprised by anything he does, but I am now so intrigued by the scene as, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I'm sure it's going to be, my mind is racing as to what it could be, but, uh, and anything's possible, but I, I, I look forward to, to checking it out. Yeah. yeah there's a, I'm just looking at the back of the DVD case because I've forgotten how to speak English. Apparently the word I was stumbling for was assassin. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, his brother grows up to be the, you know, one of the world's most deadliest assassins, but yeah, there's uh it can be very, uh, offensive movie. If, uh, if that's not your thing, then that's the way it's made, probably my, it's probably my most guiltiest pleasure out of the 10 as far as maybe once where oh, i don't know is this gonna hurt my uh my my credibility if i put this on a top 10 list uh but who cares it made me laugh so so there it was it's, it's your list it's a subjective thing you know that's and again right movie right time right day and it sounds like you just had an amazing time with it so well, it was funny because uh it was one of those days where you know we had the positive covid tests we're watching it together in our bedroom and uh you know it was over and i'm, I'm wiping tears off my cheeks and uh thinking wow i did not expect it to hit me so i thought was it this good? I thought, well, you know what? I have to give it points for the reaction it caused. So that's what I did. My number six, and I, this was a, a comedy about a family. And I went in kind of a, a different direction with this one. And I wanted to revisit a movie that I, I watched a ton when it came out. And it came out in 1993. It was a big summer release. There was some kind of controversy around it, around the stars at the time. But it's a movie I, I had just as good a time watching as, as I did back then. And I don't know, maybe some people could be offended by it or, or whatever. Now, I, I, I would hope not, but it's made in America. So I'm the product of a one-night stand? No, I was artificially inseminated. Well, it was a sperm bank. That is undignified. Yes, yes, I bought the sperm. I asked for the best they had. You know, black, smart, not too tall. Hello there, can I help you? Hi, I'm looking for uh, Hal Jackson. Well, look no further. Halbert Jackson. The one and only. You're white. <laughs> Wait a minute, what, what do you mean white? He's like, like white, white? White, white, white. 
You mean he's like a like a creamy eggshell kind of tan? Yes! He's so like my he is a white guy. I'll be darned. What do you mean he's white? Rap! 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 It's Hal Jackson! This is Hal Jackson from Jackson Motors. You mean the schmuck on the television with all the animals? And this is Larry. How's your pal? <laughs> my dad! No, this is not a mix-up. A mix-up is when you order hamburger and cheeseburger. I'll bet you $100 I can nail the next person to walk through that door. Hey there, I'm Hal Jackson. What I'm talking about is a major mistake in my life. Now, are you looking for something special today? Yeah, I'd like your head on a stick. This is gonna be a tough sale. When you were alone with him, did he say anything about me? That you seemed really smart. He also said he thought you were really beautiful. That's cool. I read black authors, you know. Wilt Chamberlain book, Changed My Life. Yo, it's a white man at the door. <laughs> Bye. I'll tell her be home by midnight. You have her back here by midnight? Yeah. Starring Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson. Mm. And essentially Whoopi Goldberg's daughter, their daughter is played by Nia Long, who was very big in uh, in a lot of movies in, in the 90s. She was in Boys in the Hood, among other things. Uh, her and her uh, her buddy there, played by a young Will Smith. And when I saw him in there, I was like, oh yeah, that right, that's right, he was in this movie. That's and he plays it like a really uncool, nerdy guy. And I think, you know, deep in his heart, he really has a, has kind of has a thing for, uh, for Nia Long, but uh, is kind of that that high school friend. Anyway, she, she wants to find out who her birth father is, and she knows that her her mom went to a sperm bank to uh, get this, and and had all of these specifications: how to be like this tall but not too tall black man, and like all all of these things. And then she goes using her friend and saying that he wants to donate some sperm, and there's a couple of like kind of obvious kind of goofy scenes that Will Smith plays really well as as he's going through that process so she can sneak in to their computer system to find out who her birth, birth father was and to her horror she discovers it's a used car salesman who is actually quite a tall white man played by Ted Danson and he does these cheesy ads uh, always involving animals and through all of this, you know, there's a lot of antagonism, a lot of tears, and a lot of trying to figure out what, what happened here. But a quasi-family starts to come together. Like, Ted Danson is his character. Uh, Hal Jackson is living a very superficial life, and he's got this really young girlfriend played by Jennifer Tilly, who's hilarious. She's just hilarious and yeah. everything. But he starts to see more of a purpose in his life, that having, having this daughter now come out of nowhere, and they start to form this kind of unique family bond and then things do kind of go in some serious directions in the third act but there's a sequence you're speaking of elephants there's a sequence with an elephant uh probably more standard sequence with an elephant all through gets loose during a commercial and travels all through san francisco and if you're not into that kind of comedy it might might not be your thing but i just i right day right time i just had a great time with this again it's nice to revisit it i think danson and goldberg both give really good performances i i just kind of miss this Nia long what a good what a good young actor and she she could get forgotten about in all the stuff because i danson and goldberg had a relationship which was very public there was some yeah 
stuff about that it was it was kind of uh he left his wife for goldberg and it didn't ultimately work out between the two of them but all of that is just like kind of was the the sideshow there the film itself i think is well worth people's time but I, you know, if people don't, don't like it, that's, I, I certainly get that too. It's not a beloved film. It's not really a remembered film, but kind of like Oscar, I wanted to uh, put it out there. And yeah, maybe is getting a, a generous ranking. I don't really think so. Cause when I was putting up against some of those other ones, it's like, I, I had a better time with this one. So that's why I'm uh, pushing it forward here. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's kind of what we're doing. This is why I, I got nothing to add to it. I, I just kind of pulled it up on my uh, IMDB just now because I'm not familiar with, with this uh, at all. Really. I, I don't even remember seeing a trailer for it in, in fact, but it's just, yeah, you know, I, I guess at that time, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't really into the leads. I mean, Ted Danson was, you know, Cheers obviously was, uh, uh, you know, a favorite growing up, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at it. I mean, the cast does look decent. Um, do you own a copy of this or is this a streaming thing or? Uh, this is streaming. Yeah, where did I, I think this one's on Prime. It's it's funny. I find lately I'm having some fun revisiting early to mid '90s movies. Um, me too. Me too. I, it yeah. used to be a big thing. '80s was the thing I'd always go back to, but now I'm realizing, you know, early mid '90s is kind of when I was finished high school and uh, kind of becoming 18, 19, seeing those kind of movies with my friends and uh, going back to to a lot of those, you know, comedies, even action around that time. Uh, yeah, the action was good. Just different because they, they don't maybe get revisited or talked about as much as some of the the late 70s or or popular 80s comedies check it out see what you think you know and again i won't be offended if you don't like it but i i i think it there's a sentimental piece to it too and i mean i this was a year after sister act sister act really it was that was a couple years after Whoopi won her oscar (laughs) for uh ghost and i for a little while there i think she was kind of the top female comedian in uh in, in movies and so the next year was a little bit of the this movie didn't do quite as well i think later that year sister act two came out and then people had forgotten about this one but yeah i i i really think it's an interesting way it's it you know it was a little bit edgier than the sister act movies and some of the kind of the family comedy she got into around that time mm-hmm. but wasn't as hard-edged as some of the other stuff that she did uh, earlier in her career so well it's got a lofty 5.1 right now on imdb yeah. so uh yeah i, so, I saw so, that that's what i'm saying <laughs> it's not it's not a loved movie and might might be that i'm the only one out there that would champion this film but it's I, oh, right I, on fun with it, so. okay well, uh, my number five, I feel like uh, maybe this is one that maybe maybe a lot of people may not remember as well. The movie is Skin Deep. I don't know what to say. Robert the Lord is my shepherd. Meet Zach Hutton. Darling. After 10 years of marital bliss, his luck is about to run out. Come on, Angie, for God's sake. Oh. He's been thrown out, and he's about to discover that being single can be dangerous. I've worked five years to build this body. And for one night, it's all yours. How do you feel about that? Like Mrs. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Morning. Sorry, I'm late. 
Now, Zach wants his old life back. I was about to suggest that we give it another try. Are you completely off your nut? And he won't take no for an answer. Is this a bad time? <laughs> John Ritter. But there is a God! And he's a gang writer! What the In a Blake Edwards film. God, I wish I didn't hate you so much, Zach. Skin deep. Starring yeah. John Ritter. I have a copy here on an old VHS tape. This is the only thing I have of it. I, I, I cannot obviously watch that on anything, but I just kind of kept it around. I haven't seen this movie in so long, and I have such fond memories of it. And then I found it streaming on, on Amazon Prime, and I didn't know it was out there. I kind of found it just looking through one day, and I was so happy to see it. So I added it immediately to my funny February list. I said, okay, well, um, 80s comedy. There you go. Put it on that night. I just want to start off by saying it's always so nice to see John Ritter again. He's, he's one of those guys where i feel like you know you see his face and it's it's comfortable and uh, you just kind of miss him on the screen so he plays an alcoholic sex addict you know womanizing uh i think he's a writer uh who's going through a bit of a funk and and i'm gonna say in my opinion it's the best performance of of his career he's got some very strong dramatic turns in uh films like sling blade uh is the first one that comes to mind for me but but here i think john ritter really gets to shine at what he does best his comedic timing is impeccable he's got uh moments where he he has that classic Jack Tripper style physical comedy, yeah. which for my money, he does the physical stuff as good as anybody. And there, there's a few moments in here where he just gets to go all out on that. And it's just so nice to see again. But he's also got these strong dramatic moments in this movie that really kind of make you feel kind of sad for him too this movie uh, uh good side characters too uh you know the cast of the many women that he sleeps with uh his confidant in slash enabling bartender uh his psychiatrist his best friend uh his his buddy's wife who can't help but laugh every time at his misfortunes uh, i think she's one that my wife really enjoyed her performance uh, now the tagline on the movie is called uh it says the comedy that glows in the dark now if you've seen the movie you know the must-see talk talked about scene that it refers to and uh, you're familiar with the scene i'm referring to or if you remember back then it's been such a long time this movie used to be on tv all the time this is another one where it would be at midnight and i i remember time after time i would see the beginning of it but I, i'm just I'm trying to remember if i actually you know made it through because I, I think it would be on tv when i was i was still fairly young and i don't know if i would get that far into the movie before i fall asleep <laughs> I used to have, you know, have the TV on to help me sleep when I was, yeah. when I was a kid, but, uh, yeah. So, so cause the movie was, the scene, but. It really was marketed around this uh, glow in the dark scene, and and of course that scene is uh, it's glow in the dark condoms. Yeah, uh, I, thought, so, I thought it would be. Yeah. And, and so that he's they're wearing a glow in the dark condom with the lights yeah. off, and all you see is the condom going across, and it it, it is it's a hilarious scene, and and it, it's a very funny, silly scene. But I urge anyone not just to look for that scene on YouTube, which I'm sure you could do if that's all you wanted to do. See it in the whole context of the movie around it, because it's yeah. it does a, it's a weird balancing movie. Um, 
bouncing like their slapstick and also some excruciatingly sad moments where and Ritter just pulls it all off. It's funny because it, it maybe has one of the most you know funny scenes in the movie of of all my ten. You know, if I'm looking at the the glow in the dark scene, and at the same time, this movie has probably the saddest scenes in it too of of my top ten. So, but I, I really enjoyed finding this movie again. I didn't know if I would ever get to see it again, and I stumbled upon it, and yeah. uh, and it was it was it was my wife's first time seeing it or hearing of it too. So, put it on for her. Uh, there's I, there's a sorry. Go ahead. Was it Blake Edwards? Was he the director? It was. Blake Edwards, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was Blake Edwards, yeah. Great, you know, comedic director, you know, Pink Panther movies, of course, and Ten, which is a, a masterpiece as well. And I, I, I don't, I don't think as many people will, they remember John Ritter, but they don't equate him with it as well, too. And he did, he did a great job of like the sex comedies in the seventies and, yeah. and, and eighties. So sorry, sorry, I interrupted you there. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I just know that there's a, there's a scene later in the film that that's kind of stuck with me my entire life, as far as just keeping that with me. Uh, when Ritter's character really hits rock bottom and, and he's looking for help and it's it's just kind of it kind of tugs at you a little bit because uh the performances and and just the pain he seems like he's feeling and this is a very funny movie but <laughs> but it, it, it has layers but it, it feels like it's it's real at times at times it's too silly to be real but it, at times it gets real again and he's talking to a psychiatrist uh, you know help me tell me what to do and and the line a psychiatrist says he just says if an alcoholic wants me to cure him you know what i say first stop drinking i'm not sure what it is but that line just means everything it's just i've kind of used that for find out if there's something in your life that's a problem find what that problem is first stop that and then work but i don't know aside from that <laughs> but i'm saying that's a scene where it, it tugs at you and it's it's you know of the 10 movies that's the saddest i felt all month and you know 20 minutes earlier i was laughing as hard as i was laughed you know the whole month too skin deep is a, a movie i love to recommend to people well and i feel like it, it's it's so many different things and what you're describing so it's just a great film in that way and i i guess i have a more of a weakness for the the dramedy if you will where there I'm, I'm a fan of some movie forgotten 90s movie like mr saturday night with billy crystal yeah, yeah. A very funny movie but it's got a lot of serious themes in it as well and and, and yeah i i think giving somebody who is mostly considered a tv actor and there was a real whatever on tv actors in the 80s that they couldn't be film actors but giving a talented guy like john ritter the chance to show everything he could do in with the character like this what a great opportunity and, and uh yeah he's just what I, I mean that's what sells me on watching part two of the miniseries of it is that he's in there and harry anderson and all all of these all of these kind of 80s comedic actors that i cheer for and you know very much missing in tv shows and movies and yeah i mean i if there's time tonight i almost feel like i'm gonna put that one on because i just i, I want to sort of watch it now through a uh 40 something's eyes as opposed to it's this interesting movie that's coming on past my bedtime and i'm yeah. gonna watch as much of it as i can but i can't and not quite sure what this is and probably wouldn't get the adult themes connected to it as much as I would now. So great choice. Well, thank you. I, I, I really like that one. Really like that choice. I think I'm on to number five for, for my list, probably an obvious one. It might, and they may be a little bit more obvious. Well, yeah, I think they might be a little bit more obvious going forward here. I don't think I have to sell anybody on Christopher Guest's movies, nor Eugene Levy, nor the great movie Best in Show. Live from Philadelphia, it's the 125th annual Mayflower Kennel Club Dog Show. 3,000 dogs competing for Best in Show. 
to think that in some countries these dogs are eaten. Cookie and I work as a team. We met at this dance. He didn't want to dance. I got two left feet. <laughs> I thought he was kidding. But I wasn't. I was born with two left feet. Beatrice has been showing signs of depression. Ever since she saw us having sex, what would you like to say to Beatrice right now? I'm sorry you had to see that. I've been a hairdresser about 14 years. And I uh, went to a show. I asked my ex-wife, who's that? She says, that's Scott. We got top loin, porterhouse, T-bone. We got everything. Amazing. So basically, you know, meat. <laughs> Leslie and I have an amazing relationship. People say, oh, but he's so much older than you. And you know what? I'm the one having to push him away. <laughs> we both love soup. The bloodhound not only has a great nose, but they can talk. What you doing, bloodhound doggy? What you doing? What you doing? And he's saying, I'm ready. That's when he, you know he's ready for a show. That goal is that best in show ribbon. Actually, oh. poodle means um, puddle in German. You want your busy bee? Come get your busy bee. God help it! If she doesn't get a door, she's gonna flip out! It's not in here. You left it at the hotel. Go to the hotel and get busy bee! That's my favorite, the miniature schnauzer. You'd think they'd want to breed them bigger, wouldn't you? Like grapefruits or watermelons. Don't look at the fat head losers or freaks. You look at me! <laughs> He went after her like she's made out of ham. This was on the mockumentary documentary day, mm -hmm. and it is a A-plus level mockumentary about uh, these dog owners who uh, put their dogs in this competition for the best of show. Uh, so so good. And you were introduced with the, to the weirdest collection of human beings. And the, the genius in what Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy, who co-wrote it with him, does is they made the owners look and act so much <laughs> like the dogs that they have in, in this competition. And... There's stuff I had forgotten, and I, I've watched this a, a few times, and I always love it. Before we get into the thing that, to me, is is like the the chef's kiss of this film is is late in the in the movie. But before that, is uh, we're introduced to Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. They've been cu a couple in many movies, and Schitt's Creek, yeah. and of course, in uh, also in some other Christopher Guest movies. They work so well together. And they're talking about when they first met, and Eugene Levy says, and, and you know, I couldn't dance because I have two left feet. And it seems like one of those things people say. And then he says, no, I'm serious. I have two left feet. The camera goes down, and we see that this man has two left feet. And so it feels like this, like something out of like the Fairley Brothers or like some sort of a, or, or maybe a airplane type of a joke. Yeah. But that actually becomes a plot point later on in the film when, when we're getting to the best of show and, and indeed Eugene Levy is going to have to go out and walk <laughs> with the dog in the most important moment of this dog's life. So I, uh, it, it is so, so clever. Christopher Guest is a riot is that uh, he has this hound dog and he's from the South and he runs this fishing business and he loves to fish and everything's about fishing. And you watch these people, these yuppies from New York, uh, 
like Parker Posey is one of them. And, oh, yeah, Parker uh, Posey. I love Parker Posey in this. Yeah, and, <laughs> and this high-strung couple, and they're trying to figure out why their dog is is so depressed. And <laughs> this fight, when the competition happens, to find this this dog toy, which has been lost. Busy B, isn't it? Yeah, Busy yeah. B. I don't know. Is, see, I haven't seen this in years. I remember yeah, Busy B. you're absolutely right. It was... It, need to find the busy bee and they're screaming at each other. And then she's going around and to this dog, you know, this pet store and is screaming at this guy who's trying to help her out. And all of that is good. Like there's one moment after another, which is great, but I still think it would have been a, an above average comedy. If it hadn't have been when oh. they get the television coverage of this, and the late great Fred Willard comes in, and he is, he is this jockish sports commentator who knows absolutely nothing about these dog shows. And he's with somebody who, you know, this British guy who knows everything about it and all the nuances and the 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 their interaction and the stuff that Fred Willard's character says. Oh, it's I cannot stop laughing through that that whole sequence it is just one ridiculous moment after another and the one i remember it's not the funniest but it's it's just in there is well this uh, might seem a little bit uh oh a little bit off topic here but uh, <laughs> uh can you guess how much i bench press yeah <laughs> i was just thinking that too i thought like fred willard is is the bow on this package you've got a, a beautifully wrapped present yeah, it's a beautifully wrapped present, and then you just add this bow on top. And you know, the man, he is—he was so good in this. And, and that you're right—that's the line. <laughs> How much can I bench press? Oh man, it's a good movie. And, and, and this guy, you can just tell he hates—he hates talking with this guy uh, about the dog show, which he cares about and takes so seriously. But he's humoring him and trying <laughs> to explain things. And and there's even this throwaway line in there. Uh, yeah, I, I think you made that same joke last year. So they've had more than one year. <laughs> the whatever ESPN commentator for this event, and he still knows nothing about it. And it's just, uh, it, it is, uh, it, it, if people have not checked it out, and I still think there's a lot of people that haven't seen it because it's, I, I was, I, I looked at it's 20 years old now, I think it's 2002. So it uh, turns 20 this year. I mean, time okay. is flying by. You yeah. just need to check it out. The The other genius part of these movies, going back to This is Spinal Tap, which Christopher Guest acted in, didn't direct, Rob Reiner directed it, but is how mm. these actors no. are improvising a lot of the time. And that's how they're able to create this really authentic mockumentary feel. And even though you know a lot of the actors and you've seen like Michael McKean and people like this before and other things, you just go along with it because they sound like real people talking. Yet everything is kind of thought of and they use everything to great effect. And it it's great. I, I'd forgotten that Jane Lynch, major role before Glee oh, or yeah. any of those things. She plays this uh, this uh, dog trainer who wins basically every year, and she's uh, she's with like these rich people trying to win it. And when things are not going her way, then it it gets very interesting. But she's so passive aggressive when she's going around and sizing the competition. To it's it's a pleasure. I mean, uh, probably my my top five. I, I, I'm sure there are people out there that would disagree with some of my choices, but I, I, I can't see most people not enjoying Best in Show and the uh, the four, four I'm going to mention after this. But 
Excellent. Yeah. No, that's that's a good that's a good movie, and that's one I always love to to recommend to people too. I, when you said saw the mockumentary theme, it had to be that movie. I had to find yeah. a way to, to to see it there, and and yeah, it, it was it was great. I got to watch that with my dad, and I, I don't know if he had seen it before or not, but he was just yeah, he was just chuckling yeah, away. Every time Eugene Levy was on screen, he was losing it. So. Yeah, Eugene Levy, he's one of those uh, national treasures here too. Or at least his eyebrows. <laughs> and another Canadian. You have to mention our Canadian content here. I guess uh, for my number four, this one I'm, I'm going to go down to a smaller movie by uh, you know a little-known director uh, by the name of Martin Scorsese. Uh, film's called Wolf of Wall Street. Excuse me. Yeah. Is that your car on the lot? Yeah. Is yeah. it Jag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much money you make? I don't know. Seventy-two thousand last month. You show me a pay stuff for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Hey, listen, I, I quit. Yeah, I'm going into stocks. My name is Jordan Belfer. At the tender age of 22, I headed to the only place that befit my high-minded ambitions. The name of the game? Move the money from your client's pocket into your pocket. But if you can make your client's money at the same time, it's advantageous to everyone, correct? No. I got it! I started my own firm out of an abandoned auto body shop. We will be targeting the wealthiest 1% of Americans. I love three things. I love my country, I love Jesus Christ, and I love making people rich. Hello. But I needed to mold them in my own image. With this script, I'm gonna teach each and every one of you to be the best. This is the greatest company in the world! I was becoming a legend. Aren't you married? Yeah, but married people can't have friends. We're not gonna be friends. I was making so much money, I didn't know what to do with it. $26,000 for one dinner! Dad, we're not poor anymore. Tell them about the sides. Hey, what are these sides? They cure cancer? The sides did cure cancer, that's the problem. They were there, that's why they were expensive. <laughs> $22 million in three hours! The real question is this, was all this legal? Absolutely not. <laughs> you up from the hip. He's got pictures of your whole inner circle. This is bad. It's okay. Rub my temple. You're all right. This right here is the land of opportunity. You just tried to bribe a federal officer. <laughs> this is America. This is my home. Good for you, little man. Me, the little man. The show goes on. They're gonna need to send in the National Guard to take me out, cause I ain't going nowhere! We don't work for you, man. You have my money taped to your boobs. Technically, you do work for me. Well, do you, do you want to hear something funny? Absolutely. That's also my number four. So we have it in the exact same spot. That's Wolf that's perfect. I think we could just have a, a con conversation right now just about the Wolf of Wall Street. So yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, we'll we'll let it all out here at once. That's perfect. I, I had a feeling I, I saw you watched it and I thought, well, that's that's gonna be in his list for sure too. But if we're ranking best movies, this is probably number one. That was my balance my what I was wrestling this, with all week. Yeah. This is such a crazy entertaining movie though. Um of course, telling the story of real life Jordan Belfort. Um, and, and I will start by saying generally, I'm not a fan of the quote Wall Street type movies. I, I just yeah. don't get into them. It's not, I don't, I don't know if I usually understand it as much, uh, you know, the whole, the whole Wall Street ideal. And, and I've, I just never got into them. 
Uh, but this movie is is so good and it's and it's so funny and it's so well made and it's so and it's so full of crazy shit too and <laughs> this my friend is a movie like a movie movie wall to wall it's so full of such extreme debauchery and just wall to wall booze drugs sex drugs uh, money sex drugs did i say drugs yet um there's there's also drugs <laughs> it's so much you almost feel like you need rehab when the movie's over yeah you do i mean it's it's three hours long like three hours is is long i mean comedies aren't three hours long um they they just aren't there but this one just keeps on moving and moving and i, I don't remember a time looking at my watch saying like, oh, this is really long no i mean i'm happy for it to continue on it flew by i sometimes maybe why i haven't watched it a million times is because okay do i have the three hours to watch it yeah but yeah it, you don't feel the three hours at any point and i i'm a fan of three-hour movies so it's scorsese's had a lot of them <laughs> he, he tells long stories not always but a lot of the time so i mean casino was three hours you know three and a half hours for the irishman but so it was a mix of you know somebody who really knows what they're doing with with comedy and it was one of the writers from the sopranos who actually wrote the screenplay i had read the book beforehand too the, the book is is pretty entertaining i mean uh it's it it is it is totally this man's point of view and his point of view is is very skewed the controversy around the movie was like his real life victims or the families of his victims came out and were unhappy that it got all those academy award nominations and all those yeah. pieces as a movie like there was stuff in there i i'm a i'm a dicaprio fan there's some people that don't like him i guess but i i've maintained that he's the best actor of his generation there was stuff in here i didn't know that he could do like, <laughs> yeah it's fair some of the speeches and what was it they took and they like they they took that really old which drug was it oh the lemon ludes yeah the yeah lemon, lemons they, yeah and when they kicked in the right? delayed response ones right yeah yeah they were at that really inopportune moment where everything is uh, oh starting goodness, to fall apart for him and like that whole sequence is brilliant but how DiCaprio acts and I didn't know that he could do physical comedy like that it, it was yeah it was just unbelievable now we should mention like it was Jonah Hill day Jonah Hill did get an Oscar nomination for this I'm not sure he necessarily deserved an Oscar nomination he had one of the most shocking scenes in it when uh party sequence where I, and this was talked about openly when it came out but where uh he takes his penis out at one point and uh then his wife gets mad at him and uh <laughs> Uh, and and so I think it was because he was just willing to go there that maybe they they went along with it. Uh, but like he his performance feels very uh, over the top and cartoonish, which is what I've been kind of used to. I know he can he can act. I saw him in Moneyball and that kind of thing. I'm not the yeah. again I'm not the biggest Jonah Hill fan. He serves the role well. He's I think he's meant to be kind of the Pesci in this film. If you if you get what I mean, but um, <laughs> yeah yeah, but I don't know, kind of maybe a nerdier Pesci, kind of version. Yeah, he he's you know and it makes sense all the drugs and all the excess but he's he's not a smart guy and he causes more problems for those people who are smarter mm -hmm. but and the, the the other unsung hero uh, and I, I i thought we would hear more from him but just talk about take a couple of scenes and make a meal out of them matthew mcconaughey, matthew McConaughey. at the yeah. very beginning jordan belford comes into this job in wall street and he's going to play it straight and he's mentored by a lunatic <laughs> But a very successful lunatic played by Matthew McConaughey, but a guy who ultimately ends up not doing well because of uh, some things that happened. But I think he only gets two scenes, right? 
punch. And it is, I, I defy anybody to keep a straight face when they see what, what McConaughey does in, in, in that scene. And DiCaprio does a good job of sharing that scene with him, letting him have his moment. But yeah, yet, there's, there's so much screen time for DiCaprio. And I mean, we, we see this, this well-respected actor in a scene where he has something sticking out of his butt when he goes to see this high-class dominatrix hooker and is oh, that's right. hot wax poured on it. I mean, there's so much wild stuff in here. I think there are points where it is serious. Some people might not take it. Like if they're thinking there, it's going to be uh, a three amigos type of a comedy. Yeah. No, not, not at all. It's not that it's if I hate to make this comparison because it's its own film, but if there was a comedic Goodfellas and Goodfellas had flirted with <laughs> comedy, Scorsese always flirts with comedies, particularly if Pesci's in the movie. But but if Goodfellas had been a comedy, it would be Wolf of Wall Street. So that might not be yeah. everybody's taste. But watching it again, I was like, this is such a good movie. You were absolutely right that it's maybe the best movie we'll be talking about and maybe the best made movie because Scorsese's the director. Yeah, he knows but what he's doing. The only thing I hesitated on... It it was everywhere from sixth to, to second for me. It was in that range is, you know, is it a full on comedy? And that, that was, that was a piece I was wrestling with there. So, well, that's, that's what my wife asked as well. When I said, this is the movie tonight. And she said, is, it's not a comedy, is it? She hadn't seen it, but she's, she's is this a comedy? I don't think it's a comedy. She said, no, it, this is entire. It is a comedy. I think in its heart. Yeah. It, it's uh it's got dramatic uh, pieces to it. It's a biography, but but it's way too funny to not be called a comedy. I mean, I just finished, I praised the glow-in-the-dark scene in Skin Deep, as, uh, but now I, that was before I remembered the Lemon Ludes scene in, in this movie. Maybe that is the <laughs> the one biggest uh, zaniest scene. That's, uh, that's the standout scene in this movie to me, actually. There's another one in the boardroom when they're all talking about, uh, they're planning a party and they're going to hire a, a little person, or they, they used yes. midget back then is the phrase that they used, but yeah. just everything is on the table nothing is too offensive to these guys to talk yeah. about and they're saying okay so are we allowed to throw him okay yeah are we allowed to do this and yeah he, he won't take his, his dick out or something well it says here he will but it goes on and just how over the top the language is about they're talking about a human being like this it's yeah. just yeah. uh and other roles mcconaughey great pull out for there but uh rob reiner is the yeah. same kind of thing yeah. he, he makes a great they give him this little role and he does great things with it in here as well DiCaprio's um, father who starts yeah. to kind of oversee the expenses and like try to to rein in these clowns who have more <laughs> money than god and are using it in the stupidest ways and we do actually see like the little person being thrown into a target i think the movie I, I starts think, off with that right now okay people will watch it they will cross their arms and they will, you know, whatever, but it's not promoting. I I, I think no. some people mistake it for celebrating or promoting what's going on. Like you need to see what happens in the third act of the film. This is a warning. This is a fable. It's also a satire about the excess of mm -hmm. the white collar criminals on wall street you know and and i think you know the jordan belford has this idea of what it should be and he wrote his book which is the movie is based on but scorsese also has a good idea of what this guy is and as does everybody in there and th this is not meant to be something where we're just like this is the danger when we give people this kind of money for basically creating nothing and then they just create chaos and uh, yet and yet does does he learn anything at the end though i mean i don't his empire does fall but but i don't think he does 
and we kind of see that in the last scene and the guy's still around and still he's still selling you know, still selling and saying that he's uh some sort of a financial expert but it, it, and i think that's maybe what rubbed his victims the wrong way is that it wasn't mm-hmm. like in some scorsese movies where all these people end up dying because they are living the mobster lifestyle or their greed gets out of control in a casino type of a movie or or some of those name name the scorsese film but you have to also remember that travis bickle survives to the end of Taxi Driver and Scorsese is interested in these not heroes but these anti-heroes that you know are very flawed and and people that are kind of living in this evil world and everything all of his movies relate somewhat back to the his catholic upbringing and this is another one that takes a look at and goes beyond the greed is good speech from uh from wall street that michael douglas is famous for giving and it was this good because this is definitely greed that we're seeing and we saw people's lives ruined because of it and just really no kind of respect for human life it was just like, okay, everybody yeah. has their price. He tries to bribe an FBI agent played by Kyle Chandler. And that's starts to become the start of his problems. I want to shout out Mar- Margot Robbie as well. Oh, yes. I, again, I, I didn't, she wasn't as well known. She wasn't as big a star at, at this time. She, and she actually like has some, see, I'm not sure if she would do the scene, those scenes now that she does in the movie, but she is right there at, at some points. Um, oh, yeah. You think she'll be, you know, the, uh, the, the wife character. He actually has a wife originally who he leaves for her and becomes a second wife, but, but she, she's tough and she she handles Belfort and sure there's some disturbing and some kind of uh, as we see those fight scenes and those breakup scenes are, are tough but she also has some really really strong acting scenes in there I'm not sure it's the funniest performance in the film for sure but yeah. I just want to, but, but to very memorable that, yeah. that scene you know, where where he has a camera in the bear or whatever when she is oh uh, yes yeah she's trying to torture him a little bit there and like he kind of kind of wins that that battle which it looks like she's winning there yeah there, there is nasty I mean, right the, there is some darkness and some some grittiness underneath the the gla- it's not all glamour sometimes it does get a little nasty at times i will say this is my favorite performance of dicaprio's I, i'm maybe not as big a fan as you are of of him as an overall actor but this is the movie where uh, i don't see him anymore i see the character he's playing where right. he does such a, a, a job he's so kind of charismatic and uh I think he knocks it out of the park. This this is my favorite performance of his for sure. I do love that his breaking of the fourth wall as well, where he's talking to us directly, uh, getting oh, us up to speed, telling us about his life and, uh, you know, start the day off with this drug to get me a little high. And then I got to bring down with this and balance. He has this you know, cocktail of, of drugs to get him through the day. And there's one point I will mention, you know, when I said I'm not usually a big fan of, of the Wall Street films, there's one point when he's explaining what they're doing. Uh, you know, we're, we're buying this and I do this. And he stops and looks at the camera and says, face it you're not following what i'm saying anyways it doesn't matter basically we're making a shitload of money and it's not exactly legal and that's and that i loved that because i was thinking am i really what are they doing because it's very complicated you know the whole you gotta be smart to do what what he's doing uh and and i appreciated that that it it didn't really matter if you know the ins and outs the point is he does and it's not all you know above the table what what's happening uh and that kept me in the movie too you, you contrast that with the movie and it was also considered a comedy the big short I don't know if you saw the big short. I haven't. No. And they they get so technical with the, the Wall Street stuff that I 
I, 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 what, I like the actors in it and the, the performances and everything, but, but you start to tune out. Just lost me, and and they would even do things like, okay, to explain this, let's take a look at uh, Selena Gomez. They'd have a, her giving this monologue, this explanation of this particular concept in connected to to wall street finance and that was an attempt to do what you described as a much more much simpler and smarter choice like wolf of wall street got all these i think something like 10 oscar nominations this isn't the only time this has happened to scorsese didn't win in any category the big short did win a screenplay award but I think you know there, an argument could be made that that this was a better screenplay, but it was also just I believe Terrence Terrence Winter wrote it in Scorsese's hands. Anything anything just looks so amazing. I mean, he he could two hours in the work life of Jason Dubray could be turned into <laughs> Academy Award winning, winning film, and he just found the right balance of the serious, but with the comedy. It's a dark comedy. Sometimes it's slapstick. Sometimes it's a drug comedy. Sometimes it is a biting social satire it's all in there the three hours and the movie moves like it doesn't it's like you're on drugs because it 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 moves at this pace where maybe that felt like an hour and a half no that was three hours yeah and and you've been through a lot in that time but it's it's so worth the journey and i guess the last thing i would say is uh just the character that he portrays the the actual uh belfort i I started kind of taking interest like uh, so who is this guy really so i started watching a a few interviews with him of course now he's getting he's has more people interested because of the movie now and and one thing i i pointed one point out is I, i just i watched an interview just recently a few days ago where he was talking he was being asked about the accuracies of this movie and the inaccuracies you know what really happened what didn't uh you know what was kind of changed a little bit but the one thing i found interesting is uh they said what was underplayed what was overplayed and he said uh he was asked about the drugs in the movie the drugs was it really like that and he said that was one thing the movie underplayed and he says it was actually he's like it was actually worse than the movie showed and i'm like holy shit like that's no how are you alive like we yeah. hear about tragically all these people every day ODing for what seems like a lot less drugs than than what this guy was doing. I mean, well, they they made it seem pretty excessive. I couldn't imagine how they could show it worse. But but he started getting into these descriptions of what his day consisted of, and man, mind blowing. It's a Martin Scorsese <laughs> movie that showed restraint when it came to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Honest, that's when you need to re-examine that time of your life, I guess. But I'm, I'm glad we were both in the same place, literally in the same place. With that's this funny. And I think it does have the uh, the record for the most obscenities in a movie, or the most F words, at least, well, or something. Yeah, somebody yeah. count. Somebody counted them once, and uh, it's out there somewhere. But it surpassed Scarface, which had the record yeah. before. And I think um, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill has the record, I think, for, for if we're keeping record. score. Yeah, I suppose it could be beat someday. I mean, we never thought the Scarface one would be, but it, right. it could happen. Well, we've both gushed over number four for a bit. We so, have, uh, so we're on to, on to your number three. The next one's going to be a lot quieter, <laughs> going down to my small town comedy. The one that I thought immediately, the first choice I had for this one was to watch My Cousin Vinny. A funny thing happened to William and Stanley on their way to college. At what point did you shoot the clerk? They got framed for murder. Whoa! Wait a minute! Now, two kids from New York are in deep trouble. It's time to make your phone calls. The clan's here. They're in bread. They sleep with their sisters. In the deep south. Some of them do. And only one man can save them. We need to call an attorney, a great attorney. He's not your typical hero. We got an attorney in the family. Great, who? He's... My cousin Vinny. 
You stick out like a sore thumb around here. Oh, yeah, you blend. You graduated from law school six years ago. What have you been doing since? Studying for the bar. That's a lot of studying. What's this over here? You never heard of grits? Sure. I used to actually never seen a grit before. It's his first case. Now, they're not tell you dress appropriately. You were serious about that? The way you handled that, Judge. Oh, you're a smooth talker. You are. It's their last chance. The two youths. Did you say youths? Yeah, two youths. What is a youth? But with Vinny's style... I wore this ridiculous thing for you. And Vinny's girlfriend... We agreed to get married as soon as you won your first case. My biological clock is ticking like this. And the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. They're dead meat. May I have permission to treat Ms. Vito as a hostile witness? Don't you think I'm hostile now? Wait till you see me tonight. Joe Pesci is my cousin Vinny. You two know each other? Yeah, she's my fiance. Well, that would certainly explain the hostility. 1992. It's been some time since I watched this film. I actually have a poster of it in, in my basement, but I, I, I kind of forget about how much I enjoy this movie until I watch it again. Uh, you know, and then I watch it and I'm saying, that's why I have this poster up. This is a good, funny comedy, funny, funny writing. The, the writing is uh, everything in here. And I think you sent a comment like Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei are on top of their game. And that's kind of the, the, the main thing you take from that. Uh, it's a joy watching them. And that surprising Oscar for uh, Marissa Tomei as well. It's a really Really enjoyable movie and fred gwynn of course as, as the uh, small town judge uh in our story of two utes who on a road trip through good old southern usa and they get mistakenly accused of a murder uh, which yeah. they did not commit so they're in a heap of trouble they need uh, a lawyer and luckily the karate kid's got uh, his cousin Vinny has just finished law school apparently so he yeah. comes from new york and is uh to small town usa with his leather jacket and leather clad girlfriend and uh, you know it's kind of the fish out of water italian new york tough guy just you know the stereotype type that he often plays now bring him down into a dusty southern small town where he's got to follow the strict court proceedings and, and the courtroom proceedings are really engaging too like uh, it, it's it's fun and interesting to watch the comedy in this comes all from the writing it's uh delivered flawlessly uh, and there's absolutely nothing i can point out in this movie that's a flaw i can't think of anything to improve it and it's, it's aged really well and I, th I think i believe this was my first time my wife saw it as well so i was i, I was over and i turned to her that is a good movie and, and you know she gave her nod of approval too but it is now 30 years old it's actually coming up because it came out in the spring so it'll it's the 30th anniversary of that movie. That's crazy. I'm not even that old, so I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I saw it in theaters. Now, yeah, so did I. <laughs> I I remember seeing it, but I didn't watch it for this. It, it was one I had thought of, but then I just went different directions. If I had, it would have been high up on the list. It might have been even higher than than where you you placed it. But I it was I was uh, I believe 12 years old. I was in Montreal with a, some family friends and they they wanted to take me to for dinner and then to take me to see a movie and they had in their mind to, to go see wayne's world which oh, seemed yeah. like kind of like the movie that somebody my age would want to see but i i had heard about this my cousin Vinny, and i had become a joe pesci fan and so i asked them you know would it be okay if we is, is my cousin Vinny? could we see this went to see it and i don't recall there are only a handful of times in my life i remember laughing as hard as i did right from the beginning there there's a scene early on when 
when, when Vinny first comes into the jail cell and and his cousin's asleep, Ralph Macho's asleep, and the other guy who's with him there thinks that it is this is a guy who's a prisoner uh, who is wanting um, some sexual favors from him, and that yeah. misunderstanding and the you know the subtext of it, I, I just maybe maybe it's not that PC now, but it is just so funny. <laughs> oh it's yeah, also, the, the, yeah. what he says like uh, you're getting it one way or the other. It's either your ass or mine. <laughs> He's just freaking out. <laughs> and then, and then, oh, there's so many good things. But there, there is, there is a sequence where Marissa Tomei finds out that Vinny is going deer hunting with. Uh, oh yes, with the lawyer. And then she tells she has this great monologue, and she tells this beautiful, soft story. And then at the punchline, it completely changes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is is so brilliant. Everybody talks about the the, the Utes thing and yeah. kind of the climax of the film when she comes on as an expert witness uh, and knows all the stuff about cars that they you know they because she's a woman they don't think she would know anything about it and she has these just these wonderful moments towards the end. But it's all of these great little, little scenes there. And there's that other wonderful moment that Pesci has where she's she's pacing around. He's like, "What's the matter?" Well, you know, my my sister's getting married. My cousin's getting married, but I'm not getting married. And when am I going to get married? And she goes, do you have any idea the amount of stuff that I have to do? And he just goes through it. And then like his reaction there, it was just, it's so beautiful. The two together. I don't know who thought to put them together. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of thought at times this performance came completely out of nowhere. I mean, Marissa Tomei was on a different world, I think. That, that was the main thing I had heard of her being in before this. But but then I saw Oscar and she is She's in like, that comedic chops in that movie too and took on Stallone and and, and several of the others in uh, in in scenes in that and it was like I feel like that movie maybe got her the My Cousin Vinny role but who did, would have thought to put those those two together I also want to do a shout out to to Joe Pesci's wig in that movie <laughs> to his wig <laughs> You know that was just the perfect look for this guy. It, it's a great story, and well, I his mean, his whole wardrobe, you know, wig, suit, bro. everything. He gets that suit, the secondhand suit. Yeah, he keeps fighting with the judge about his his attire in the courtroom. It is it is great. I mean, every yeah. I've never heard of anybody not liking this movie. No. For some reason, I wasn't surprised when she won Best Supporting Actress. Everybody else was apparently somehow. I I, I just knew. I watched the awards that year, and I I just like. Yeah, she's gonna win and when she did and afterwards for years all this stuff like they were thinking there was a mistake or whatever which wasn't true at all and i'm glad that she survived that particular stretch of time and she's she's always been good like she's a great actor but she's so funny in that movie um oh, very much um great great choice uh, yeah i don't understand anybody who doesn't like my cousin Vinny. and i love I, I loved that you know but going back to the academy award for that i loved that that happened because i, I was at that age where people didn't win awards for movies that i was watching Watching at that point yeah. and so somebody won an award for you know a small funny comedy that that i enjoyed and so i kind of i championed that i was so happy about that i said hey i watched that movie it wasn't uh, you know a big arty film it was something that uh, accessible for for a young guy to go watch in a theater and laugh with his friends it, it was a great decision that they made it was a talented group of women that year but yeah hers was the most broad comedy and somebody came out of nowhere and and stole stole that movie but yet pesci held his own i mean i think he well, it's one yeah. of the great Great comedic leading 
performances of all time. Yeah, you really, it's and you, and you feel good with it too. I mean, you kind of laughing when he's screwing up in the courtroom or he's not following the procedure and he gets keeps getting thrown in prison for a contempt of court. He says, and, and so you're you're laughing now, but when he starts to shine, he starts to put it together and show what he can do. You start yeah. like almost cheering during yeah, a courtroom better. scene. You get you get excited and, and happy for it. But uh, yeah, it all comes together really uh really fun to watch it happen. Uh, my number three, we've already uh, talked about it a little bit. That's where I put uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian. I, I just thought it, it's a classic, and I I just had it. I kept going back and forth with it in Wolf on Wall Street for third and fourth year. But I came to Monty Python through John Cleese being a Faulty Towers fan. Okay. My, my dad introduced me to Faulty Towers. I watched all of those, and I just just loved it. I, and I still love that show to this day. Monty Python. I think you know it, it's absurdist. It's it. It is, yeah, sure, it's stupid, but it's also very intelligent. And I think I had a harder time initially, and I did start off with Monty Python and um, Holy Grail, right? And I didn't, and to this day, I still am a little bit of a distance with that film. I appreciate bits in it, maybe more than the whole. Life of Brian is one that I liked from the beginning. I didn't know that there was controversy, but I shouldn't have been surprised because anything that has any sort of a religious, anything, like Jesus Christ Superstar was controversial, Last Temptation of Christ was controversial. Like any, it, it just seems like one way or the other, it's going to be a controversial movie if it's yeah. if it's you know satirizing or parodying a, uh, some sort of a biblical epic. But it it is brilliant. I mean, early on, one of my favorite bits is they're they're all way back listening to the Sermon on the Mount, and, and right. people can't hear and they're misunderstanding what's being said. And finally, somebody said, "Oh, oh, uh, uh, the meat." shall inherit the earth or something like that oh that's nice for the meek they always are so meek or something like that yeah they've had a rough go (laughs) they've had a rough go yeah it's just such did he say blessed are the cheesemakers blessed are the (laughs) cheese in that same bit that's so funny the stoning scene sold completely by john cleese like he yeah yeah he's another guy like like leslie nielsen we talked about earlier where he he plays the seriousness of the situation as ridiculous as it is and it, it it's it's just so funny i mean yeah the movie has like uh some some pretty graphic nudity i guess it was late late 70s <laughs> probably yeah. more than what they might have been expecting even from like the, anything else from monty python but i i also like just the the non sequiturs like for some reason and Brian, when he's in this moment where he he's jumping and he could get killed, suddenly jumps into a spaceship and then he goes into this this whole other movie. It happens, yeah. which doesn't make any sense. And then they just drop him off, and then he happens to be just right lands right in the same area where he was yeah. before. But uh, and his relationship with his mother is is, is very funny. And when he's on oh, the yeah. cross, and he keeps like keeps seeing opportunities where uh, you know he can get out of this, and somebody's going to vouch for him, but but nobody does. And and then brilliantly brilliant song at the end courtesy of eric idol you know beautiful yeah always look on the bright side of life <laughs> all these people they're all singing and they're all being crucified i mean <laughs> what and what a way just to end the film ridiculous. too it is so much fun i mean i i just i just cannot understand why what is wrong with that why can't we yeah. we all well, can't take ourselves we can't take ourselves too seriously. I mean, we just can't. I think people were upset at first because uh, you know, maybe before they watched the film, they assume, oh, they're making fun of of the Bible or they're making fun of, of Jesus or, or all this, right? Um, it's not that at all. In, in fact, they no. They know it, their Bible really well. Yeah. I mean, they, they go to a sermon okay. from Jesus, but uh, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, they're really at, at their heart, they're making fun of that type of film. That's that's all. It's, yeah. it's a separate oh, story. Yeah. And, this, for, and for me, the, the film really takes off at the point when uh, Brian gets his fall 
followers. Uh, that's the part where, yeah. you know, uh, you know, there's scenes like the haggling scene. I just, the little bits, I just love that. He just wants to buy this. No, no, you got to haggle with me. No, I'm, it's fine. I'll pay you 10 for it. No, say 10 for that. You must be mad. Okay, fine. I'll give you eight. Eight. This is handmade. <laughs> and then he, he gets his followers and it, he gave us a sign. It's his shoe and everything's a sign at that point. And it's a, such a lovable film. There's a, there's a naked guy uh, who's in the hole or whatever and has a vow of silence. Yeah, it, it, it's just great. I I like it more and more every time I see it. It, it, it climbed up from where it was going to be on the, the the top ten no matter what, but it made its way all the way to three. And nice. I I don't think people are going to disagree with us on this one. I think uh, I remember when I first the first time I seen it. This was the first Monty Python movie I, I remember seeing as a kid, and I was confused because the same actors play multiple roles as they do in, yeah. in all their films but i remember the first time i mean john cleese is very recognizable the first mm -hmm. time i seen him in a second role in the movie I, I thought hey wait but isn't that guy from the judea's people's front or, or the people's front That's of right. judea <laughs> but That's uh right. you know and then he, he shows up as a roman and i was i remember being confused and not following what was happening and say well that's that guy again and uh, then i got older and i started to understand i like all that stuff too because it's a little bit of a, a shot at like the uh like in the 60s counterculture movements which kind of bled into the 70s too and no we're we're the right way but we're named this those others are you know they have it all <laughs> wrong it's it is just such a smart movie and a funny movie and i remember i saw a screen of it in saskatoon at the broadway theater they it was a double feature the two uh two most famous monty python movies i went with my sister and and she just had a ball of life life of brian and yeah it, it's it's a great film i think we're on to your number two number two i think i feel like my number two pick is is probably a, su a surprise it's a film called They Came Together. So, Joel Molly, how'd you two meet? Kind of a corny romantic comedy kind of story. <laughs> that's, that's true. From the creators of Wet Hot American Summer comes a film that dares to reveal the true meaning of love. Is she okay? You alright? If you love love stories. You like fiction books? I never met anyone else who likes fiction. That is too funny. And if you love falling in love. Then you will love this love story. Hey, you look different. Really? You think so? You've got Groucho glasses on. You noticed. Well, great story. Yeah, we should get together again very soon. We're not done. Yeah, sit down. Well, actually, you know it's getting so late. Sit your ass down, Karen. From the director of Role Models, if I were you, I would be very wary of my motives. Yummy, yummy in my tummy. It's hot, 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 hot. <laughs> the point of love is to get laid. And I'm talking about sexual intercourse. Two points. Swish. Do not listen to Mr. Chronically Single, always dating some new hot chick guy. Comes a romantic comedy. All hail Joel. Trevor, didn't you hear? You're fired. Now get out of here before I change my mind. No, I want you to change your mind. Then I'll still have a job. Like you've always seen before. They came together. No, no we, we didn't. didn't. Only better. Go jump in a lake, meathead. Oh. <gasps> you get it now, Mr. Combines traits that each of us represents, and all you need to do is put it all together and you'll be just fine, guy. And weirder. Go deep! Go deep! Go deep! Go deep. Go deep. What is that in your ear? What? It's for you. You know, you're pretty adorable when you get all fussy like that.
your story really is like a corny movie. I know. The only difference is it's not a movie. It's our real life. Now, it's written by Michael Showalter and David Wayne. The mind's behind uh, another film that I watched this month, and I really wanted to include Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, I, I guess because the same writer-director kind of team, uh, I went with this one because it seems like uh, Wet Hot American Summer seems to have a, a big cult following now, and it's it's more well-known. And a lot of people don't know about this movie. And what it is, it's basically, it, it satires every single romantic comedy cliche and, and trope that there ever was. It's at everything. And for, it kind of, it's, shows that for the most part romantic comedies are are kind of horrible films and they're you know they're the same movie all the time and what they do is they just they recognize this and uh so they made a horribly acted movie with every romantic comedy cliche in it and i kind of want to i just want to read off the back because it's, it's kind of funny because there's no spoilers for this movie because okay. it's the standard setup for every romantic comedy and they tell you right on the case when joel and molly meet it's hate at first sight the big his big corporate candy company threatens to shut down her quirky indie candy shop. Plus, Joel is hung up on his sexy ex. But amazingly, they fall in love until they break up about two-thirds the way through, and Molly starts dating her accountant. But then at the end, well, you'll just have to see. Hint, Joel makes a big speech and they get back together. So... That's what happens in the movie. It basically, who cares what happens? You know exactly what's going to happen. It stars. It's got Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. If you look at the cover, it's a movie you would just pass by and not even look at because it looks like just another romantic comedy. But I find this this is a hilarious movie to me. Um, I I get it. I feel like some people just may not get it because the it's kind of almost to borrow the phrase it's the airplane of romantic comedies maybe, but uh, uh, maybe not quite as as not airplane, but uh, maybe that that kind of style similar to if you're familiar with wet hot american summer what they did for for summer camp 80s movies uh kind of parroting that whole idea rather than do a satire parody we'll make, we'll make a romantic comedy but kind of throw every you know this is the best friend that uh, this this is his married friend this is the scene where you know they talk about uh, how new york is kind of like a character in our story and they go back to that like three times yeah we met in kind of a quirky romantic comedy kind of way if our if our story was a movie it'd probably start with a, a slow uh, pan in of the new york city skyline and then that's what they do but uh, great cast it's got uh big roles for kobe smulders christopher maloney's in it bill Hader, ellie kemper and ed helms has a role in it is what gave me the excuse to put this on uh jason manzukas i want to say i hope i'm saying it right uh, he's in there as well I, I feel like a lot of this is another one that a lot of people that i talk about this they say oh i've never heard of it and then i tell them about it, i send them clips or a trailer and they're saying why have i never heard of this movie this is and, and it passed me by forever too i remember i i happened to upon a scene once on on youtube or something where rudd and polar are talking in a in a bookshop uh, kind of flirting with each other and he asks if uh she wants to come over tonight and she says no i can't my aunt flo is visiting and uh, he says, oh you're on your period no my aunt flo is visiting from out of town and then she's behind she says hi i'm aunt flo but and i, I was like wait what is this clip because i've never seen this i assumed it was like a skit or something uh and then i found out oh this is a movie well i've, I've got to find this i'm gonna have to check it out because it, it it sounds like i would have a good time with it it's uh yeah it's it's got definite dumb moments and some like what you know, what the heck is his moment. But if you're 
familiar with romantic comedies and if you've had to sit as uh you know go on a date and watch these and you know exactly what's going to happen you'll you'll get some laughs out of uh, out of this i think yeah very high on your list there so you had a good time with it huh well it and it's it's that high because of how how happy it, it makes me it, you know, it's it's weird because i i didn't think it should be this high but i, I do want more people to know about that movie and uh, and give yeah. some credit there is there is one scene that is kind of the scene where you're either going to lose the movie at this point or not it's paul rudd in a bar where he uh, says to the bartender uh you know i've had a rough day or, or whatever it is and the bartender says uh, yeah you know you sat down here you haven't said very much and he said yeah you can say that again and it's, oh you sat down and you haven't really said very much yeah tell me about it well you sat down here and you haven't said but they go on to tell me about it so you can say that again uh maybe too long and some people really hate some people hate that scene and say no at that point i was done with the movie me after about you know the seventh time i started to get funnier to me <laughs> but but uh, yeah there's long enough that it becomes uncomfortable you, you got you got sight gags you got you got sight gags verbal comedy uh just silly every kind of uh thing is thrown at you some uh really off-color stuff as well which it just comes from nowhere but as far as just pure comedy make me happy and laugh for fans of the walking dead actor plays negan his name jumped away from yeah, me jeffrey, yeah. jeffrey dean morgan yes uh he's got a small cameo uh near the end as well which which is amazing it's uh <laughs> he just kind of shows up and uh has a couple lines and it's it's great it's it's an absurd comedy and uh and it's one that i just maybe enjoy way more than i'm supposed to but 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 this uh, i really am a fan of it no i and really talented people behind it so i will i, I feel like you're giving me more more recommendations on, on <laughs> this round than uh than, than last time there so that's that's good because i'd like to keep the laughs going in throughout march here with the movie so uh, yeah i Hope to check out a lot of the movies from your list here. Oh, right on. Hopefully I don't lead you the wrong way. My number two will probably not be a surprise to you or to anybody who knows me. Some people might have thought it'd be number one, actually. National Lampoon's Vacation. This summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's Vacation. See the real America. Hey, underpants. Hey, yellow. Ah! It's friendly. I'm okay. I'm okay. Don't you want to look at the Grand Canyon? It's educational. It's great. And most of all, it's fun. The dog went on the picnic basket. Let Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Imogene Coca, Randy Quay, John Candy, and Christy Brinkley. Well, are you gonna go for it? This is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. Take you for a ride. <laughs> this summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's <laughs> Vacation. Better check under the hood. On the, the day that was Excellent. personal favorite. This is my favorite Chevy Chase movie. 
Uh, it's my favorite vacation movie. It has been talked about on this podcast. Larry and I reviewed it. And yeah, it's like a, a, a nice, big, warm blanket. You know, it, it just will always be there for me when I need to see this movie. I've watched it a lot. I used to watch, uh, I, my, I think my dad taped it off of network television, the edited version. Yeah. And so I, that's the one that I remembered all the lines from. And so when now I, I own the R-rated one, so sometimes I anticipate things and it's like, oh no, that's different. That's right. You know, uh, when uh, when Clark loses it, he throws in a few more f bombs than uh, network television allowed in the 1980s. There, so yeah, brilliant setups from the beginning to the end. I mean, and and there's there, there's subtle things there. I mean, I think it's no longer a secret anymore. Like for those who are paying attention, a very early scene where where Beverly D'Angelo, who is one of the people who can work quite successfully with Chevy Chase, yeah. and he loves working with her but uh they're doing the dishes and and, and you'll see like know. basically gives these dirty dishes to clark and he just rubs them and then, he, and then, he, then he puts them away and it's just some some bit that i think that chevy chase just came up with but says so much about him and you know we're distracted because we're just following this conversation about like should they be mm-hmm. doing this big long road trip wouldn't it be easier to fly out to wally world and what, what they obviously should have done but just so many great bits that car is a character unto itself this is you know eugene levy has this wonderful cameo scene we we get all these wonderful these wonderful actors Cam- cameos throw in john candy in there too john candy yeah. um and of course, yeah, John Candy was part of the the new ending. It was supposed to have a much darker type of uh, oh, yeah. original ending, and some of that actually got brought into Christmas Vacation. And it, like, uh, I think Clark was supposed to go kidnap Roy Wally's family or something like that. It didn't play well in the test screenings, so they went and they they got John Candy uh, to be part of uh, that that whole change at the end too. Anthony Michael Hall as uh, Halloween Kills. Anthony Michael Hall, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, younger version of him. I listened to the commentary this time where they were all talking about it. And let's say, watch this shot when they arrive at Wally World versus when they actually like start walking <laughs> into it. He's gone through this growth growth spurt. If you're paying attention, there's oh yeah, all this time happened. They thought, thought they'd finished making the movie, but then they had to call them all back to to shoot this different ending. I think it was the right ending for the film. That family had been so much through so much. You didn't necessarily want uh, a really like nasty end. Uh, for Clark or, or his family. I think it, honestly, I would say it's the role of Chevy Chase's career and I will never get tired of watching that and I'll watch any of the vacations. I don't care if it's the remake in quotation marks, the uh, one where Rusty is is more the star of the, fa- uh, of the family. Yeah. That, that, you know, that's uh, that's an Ed Helms movie. But Yeah, a lot of people but, are rough on that one, but I, I have fun with it as well. Yeah, I, I liked it enough. I mean, it's, it's perhaps the weakest one. I know some people don't like Vegas Vacation too. I get something yeah. fun out of all of them. I mean, I think Christmas and and National Lampoon's Vacation; those will be the ones that are considered the classics in that mm-hmm. uh, in that franchise. But if they do another vacation film, I will watch it happily. But I will always go back to the original. It's it's my a comfort movie for me, I guess. So I saw no way that it wasn't going to end up being somewhere in this funny February month, uh, at least for the the first annual one. I, I had to have National Lampoon's Vacation in, and it's it, it scored very high. But I I. I reserved number one for for a different film. So, so yeah, each and every time it brings you that same smile of, of just joy, hey? Yeah. 
And there's something different, some of different details I, I get every time. And now I know a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and that's actually enriched it for me. It hasn't yeah. ruined it for me. So. Yeah, no, I, I also, I, I love that film. I completely love that film. It's, and the, the song, the theme, the opening song, as yeah. soon as that yeah. starts, the holiday road, it's it starts the smile and, and it doesn't go away. I remember seeing this in the theater when I was a young age and I think Beverly D'Angelo was probably my first theatrical um, <laughs> naked woman that I had seen as a kid but uh no this this movie it's it's so much fun just the whole the, the road trip every stop they make there's just something and it introduced cousin us eddie. to uh cousin eddie as well yeah. when they stop what a, what a great visit that is <laughs> and it's you know they, they let the jokes sit there with the cousin eddie stuff i mean they say things and there are things in there which are absolutely shocking but they just <laughs> they have these scenes they have a payoff but they aren't kind of they don't milk it like they they let it sit where it is and like oh oh Oh, that's just wrong. Like, you know, my dad says I'm the best at it. I mean, oh, yeah, old, yeah. And, that, and that was a uh, cousin Vicky, Jane Krakowski. Krakowski, from, yeah. Yeah. I, she's a yeah. star, quite a, quite an accomplished uh, comedic actor. She was in the Kimmy Schmidt and 30 rock and a lot of shows like that. So, and yeah, very, very young in the movie. And yeah, there's that one bit where she's like uh, mixing the Kool-Aid with her hand. <laughs> yeah. Can I help you with the Kool-Aid please? I, I love vacation. I could just go on and on like, uh, like, like we have with, uh, we have a love fest for some of these movies. Yeah, that's one where uh, I, I did see, I rewatched European Vacation was the one I ended up seeing this month, but you're right. The first one is the is the king and you just, yeah, you love Chevy Chase as the, the all-American dad, I guess, that wants the best for his family, but sometimes doesn't know his limits and doesn't do the right thing. But no. And I do know people like this. I mean, <laughs> it's not, it's exaggeration, but it's not that far oh, off. Yeah. There are lots of people who are like-, like There's definitely been times on our family road trips where, where my wife has said that that's who I'm being right now. You know, I'm just so obsessed about making good time or, Hey kids, we're going to, we have to make all these stops. I plan our schedule out. Yeah. The vacation's uh, an important thing for, for this dad where we have to see all the sites, can't miss anything. And all right, up and at him. you know, that, that scene when they fall asleep in the car is, <laughs> is just beautiful. I love it. Christy that Brinkley. That Larry said was his other favorite Chevy Chase moment was that oh, uh, yeah. they're showing them all sleeping beautifully. And then they go to Clark and he's, he's asleep too. And the car is driving itself and and uh i guess that was um well there was a stunt man with the dog there's the dog bit oh yes but there's also they mentioned that like the guy who steps out of the store and the the car is like on the sidewalk and just speeds past and he gives this reaction shot it was like this perfect reaction shot in this like five second scene for this guy so everybody knew what they were doing uh they maybe didn't necessarily think they knew what they were doing but it it just all everything uh lined up for that one and it's uh it's a great film well my number one is kind of in the same way where you're number two when i know it's vacation night i get excited that i know that that's coming on no actually i remember we went on a big road trip once somewhere when the kids were young we went through uh driving through alberta into the states we went to idaho to silverwood theme park and i thought we're doing this big road trip and then we're going to do all this other driving to theme parks and have fun so i thought i wanted them to watch vacation i said hey we're going to do like a trip like this so maybe they were i thought yeah you know they're young but i was young too so that was fun getting to show them that and then kind of comparing our road trip to that one but going to my number one my number one movie this month i'm just gonna say it it's it's raising arizona son you got a panty on your head just drive fast turn to the right the first time i met ed was in the county lockup in tempe arizona you're a flower you are a day i'll never forget 
I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But <laughs> biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby high. They got more than they can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful. What are you kidding? We got us a family here. I want Nathan Jr. back. What's his name? Ed Jr. Hi, Jr. So far, we've just been using Jr. We call him Jr. <laughs> He's out there somewhere. Hold on, Nathan. We're gonna go pick up Daddy. I've been taking these huggies and uh, whatever cash you got. <laughs> you busted out of jail. We released Kershaz on our own recognizance. What Double here is trying to say is that we felt the institution no longer had anything to offer us. <gasps> we got a child now. Everything's changed. Yeah! Where's Junior? <laughs> Who the hell are you? I'm a fan. We're absolutely going to get him back. Just ain't no question about that. Give me that baby, you warthog from hell! <laughs> hey, you want to know another thing? I'm going to be a better person from here on out. Let's go get Nathan Junior! Raising Arizona. A comedy beyond belief. Well, it ain't Ozzy and Harriet. Good choice. Very good choice. Possibly uh, not really fair because uh, the theme for that night was just simply a personal favorite, and uh, and I, I I picked Raising Arizona to represent that night, so it's it's a personal favorite. It's got to be number one for me. <laughs> you know, obviously the Coen Brothers make great films. I, I love Fargo, Big Lebowski, but this for me is another level. Like this one is not just my favorite of theirs. This is one of my all time favorites. I, I find that I think this movie is just a masterpiece. Every, as soon as it starts, this, like I said, vacation, when I know it's vacation night, I get excited and in a good mood and I start humming the theme song. This one, when I know it's raising Arizona night, I start, you know, thinking of the music and the banjo and the whistling and the yodeling. I start yodeling immediately, you know, and you put on, put on the Blu-ray, the menu starts up with the music, you know, the movie starts the music and I, and I smile instantly and, and I don't stop. It's just this good mood it puts me in. And, and I was wrong about the Wolf of Wall Street. This is the best movie out of all of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just love it too much. It's, it just brings me such joy. Nicolas Cage, Holly Hunter. This was the first movie I've seen with Nicolas Cage in it. And he blew me away. And I was, I was a fan ever since as far as like seeing what's he going to do next. Cause he's uh, yeah. such a character and uh, you know, so many lines just stood out to me that, that make me laugh, you know, like when his Nathan Arizona or sorry, Arizona, Nathan jr. Gets kidnapped yeah. and they're asking, you know, what was the baby wearing? I don't know. He's wearing his pajamas. Can you describe the pajamas? They're jammies. They got Yodas and shit on them. <laughs> I, I can put this movie. I can put this movie on any time of all the movies I watched in February. This is the one that I could watch again today already. I, I in fact, I, I did put it on, and then I went upstairs and had supper, and it was playing in the basement. I just knew it was on, and I felt good. I could hear it yeah. in the background, the sounds, you know, the the gunshots during that big chase scene, the yodeling, John Goodman yelling. Yes. Uh, 
I, I love every line. Every camera shot is just masterful in here. That that chase scene is is one of my favorite all time movie scenes. Uh, you know when he goes back to the convenience store and it starts with I'll be taking these huggies and whatever cash you got, and it and it goes into the the zaniest chase. Everybody's got a gun. Everybody's blasting their gun with no regard for anybody. This this is the movie. John Goodman. Holy holy he cow! Was he was so good in it. Yeah. And I showed my daughter even today, just after the big zany loud action scene, they come back to the trailer and John Goodman and uh, his, his, his brother, I can't remember his, his name, but uh, they're, they're sitting in the trailer quite, there's got to be like 30 empty beer cans around them and they're half asleep, half watching TV. And it's just this surreal, weird moment. And I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but I, I laughed nonstop during it. This, there's a lot of yelling in this movie and there's, there's action, there's quiet moments and there's a lot of yelling. This is this is what I want in a, in a comedy to make me happy. This this is it for me. And everybody plays it straight. They play it earnest. I mean, it would be easy to judge these characters or play them. I mean, the, the look in some cases is is a little bit cartoonish. Oh but, yeah. But the actors are they are playing the character like like they're in, in the most serious situation of all time, and it it, it is. The kidnapping scene's a riot, too. I mean, that's just, oh. Oh, I, I, I think I got the best one, honey. <laughs> this one looks pretty good. Every yeah. every line, it's it's kind of like Three Amigos level as far as like just loving the lines where we're all just same, you know, everything from turn to the right, just everything just hits something with me. You know, the, the kidnapping and then the Leonard Smalls, the bounty hunter, tracking him down. All I got to say to my kids is uh, you will be sitting around the table at dinner and I'll just quietly just say, last night I had a dream. And then I make this fire sound and, and they start laughing because they, they know their dad's not right. But <laughs> Randall Tex Cobb is the bounty hunter. Great stuff. And I mean, and maybe it's a little bit of a, a problem with me, Larry and I. It was on that same show with Vacation, so the last two movies we talked <laughs> about were on the on the same episode. But that's crazy. Uh, or you know, Randall Tex Cobb, some some stuff kind of surrounding him. I, I've never completely gotten fully on board with. That's an important character, and but I, I I mean I love Holly Hunter and Nicolas Cage and Francis McDormand's in there as oh yeah uh, yeah that 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 couple that were just just so bizarre and yeah i i think this one they went from blood simple which is a very dark movie and i mean I, there wasn't a really much comedy in blood simple i mean it, it kind of was a test run for fargo but fargo was a lot funnier fargo is my favorite it's one of my favorite movies of all time from okay their canon but to be able to do a, such an intense film as blood simple and then move into to do this next unlight movie they, they their first two movies are basically announcing themselves as we're going to be something special and just watch us and now we're how many movies down the line we've been uh, and i mean joel cohen just just did the tragedy of macbeth i didn't necessarily see that coming you know that <laughs> was going to be the next one just one of the brothers ethan was involved with it but that, that's where they were going next but you, you can't sort of pinpoint what they're going to do they they seem to touch on all genres and different stories but you can always tell that it's a coen brothers film and their their worst is still better than most people's best so i i figured this when i saw that you uh i, I thought of it this month but i decided to go in, again in in different directions i i knew that it would probably be high up on your list and i was trying to remember i was trying to figure it out and then when you said it was like oh yeah you hadn't mentioned that one yet so that makes perfect sense. <laughs> you're point. trying to guess along okay my i mean some people might you know this is a comedy it's absurdist some people might criticize 
me for because it's not the most traditional comedy with my number one choice because it also has such a heart and it moves me a great deal and it wow. is it's just a masterpiece it's a film from 1991 called the fisher king okay jack we're on the air in five four three two one hey it's monday morning and i'm jack lucas in the world of talk radio, Jack Lucas was king. Look, I said I want an offer, they can forget it. To stay on top, he did whatever he had to. Forgive me! But one day, Jack went too far. It was Mr. Lucas's offhand remark that seemed to have fatal impact on Mr. Malnick. No matter what I have, it feels like I have nothing. Yo, what's going on? And just when he was about to give up on his own life, he stumbled into Perry's. Unhand that degenerate and remove your presence! I like New York in June. How about you? You know who I am? Hood ornament. No. I'm a knight on a special quest. A quest. And I need help. We're out of your mind! Yes! Now, Jack has to do something he's never done before. Isn't she a vision? I'm deeply smitten. Help someone else. I thought that if I could get him this uh, this girl that he loves, things would change for me. Let's do it right here. Let's go to that place of splendor in the yeah, grass. Yeah. And this is Perry. Perry. Perry Perry. No, it is Perry. Oh, like Moses. <laughs> I think they were made for each other. <laughs> Scary, but true. Sometimes, to find yourself... I'm the janitor of God. You find some pretty wonderful things in the trash. You have to risk it all. Bingo! I'm not doing that. Robin Williams, Jeff Bridges, The Fisher King. I love this guy! Really hug me in public again. Yes. Um, the late, great Robin Williams in one of his best performances. And Jeff Bridges, who I always think is so underappreciated for his role in this film, too. Mercedes Rule won an Academy Award for it. Amanda Plummer. Great cast, led by Terry Gilliam, part of the Monty Python troupe. And it's a movie about a shock DJ in New York who has, you know, gives this advice to a volatile listener. It says, oh, that he just, uh, who's going to go and meet this girl for a drink and says, she's going to reject you. Nobody cares about you. They're all horrible people and they need to be stopped. You need to stop them, you know, for the entertainment of his show not realizing his words have consequences and this man goes and this really kind of the and when it gets we get we don't see what happens but we hear about what happens with this tragic event and we don't know yet how that's connected to years later when this dj is an alcoholic living with uh mercedes rule as his girlfriend just above a video store and he 
gets into this really dark place, but then he encounters a homeless man played by Robin Williams who believes that that Jeff Bridges has appeared to him and is is part of this quest for the Holy Grail and that he can battle this this red dragon who uh, who haunts him and everything about this fantasy world that this man lives in and his mental health stuff is connected to this tragic event and stuff in the real world but it's all beautifully done but there's there's such a sweetness and a heart to this there's a scene that there is there's a scene that i just if i did, was to describe it to anybody they'd be like that sounds so so sentimental and schmaltzy where robin williams has fallen in love with this woman uh played by amanda Plummer, and you know grand central station in new york say sees her walking and suddenly the entire grand central station turns into this this beautiful place where everybody is dancing and this great music plays. It, it is just one of the most magical scenes you will ever see in any film. So I, when I first saw The Fisher King, I don't think I got it. But every time I've watched it since, it has always stayed, this had this huge place in my heart. I love this movie so much. And so this is another one of, like, I, I think probably in my opinion, it would be it or Wolf of Wall Street are probably the best, the best <laughs> made movies, you know, I um, of, of the ones we're talking about. But I, I think there's a lot more heart to the Fisher King that kind of sticks oh, yeah. in the end. But it, it would be the fit into the dramedy uh, for me because it is dramatic. There's some serious stuff. There's some disturbing stuff that happens. Williams is brilliant at maybe my pieces. Maybe and, my favorite role of his ever. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's just heartbreaking watching him in this and just thinking about, unfortunately, it's always the cloud over any movie we look back and see with the end of his life. But I, and Bridges is just to me, just one of the, the greatest mm-hmm. people to ever, we were just blessed to have lived in a time when he was a, a movie <laughs> actor, I, I, I think. And this is before The Dude and the impact of this performance, I think is as, as great as his performance as The Dude, even though The Dude is a role he'll ultimately be remembered for. So I, I, I am gushing. I but I knew I would be with my number one. My number one's the Fisher King. Maybe not the ha ha funniest one. Um, not like Vacation or something like that. But when I watched it, I was like, how could it not be my number one movie? I just kind of like you, like you said with you know Raising Arizona. It it likely yeah, had this, number the second you saw it. So yeah, this movie it it hits everything because there are moments where you're you're laughing hard because when Williams is just allowed just to go be Robin Williams, he's always funny. And, but there's also moments you're right. That are just heartbreaking to see him so low at times where, you know, he's got the, the mental illness that, that tears him apart. Uh, and then there's heart, such heartwarming moments too. Uh, you, you feel everything through this film. It's uh you know, you're, you're happy, you're sad, you're, you're cheering for him. You're, you're laughing at Jeff Bridges as well. I mean, he's great. And you're right. Amanda Plummer's got a good role in it. Um, and this was because, uh, there happened to be a theme called 1991 i believe was the night you watched this right uh if i would have watched this this would definitely be on my uh top 10 and probably uh battling for number one as well i i love this movie i wish i watched it this month but uh, i'm I'm glad you had it here as we got closer to number one i started getting worried oh we're not going to get to talk about the fisher king but and then you said uh, yeah I, I love this movie when they go cloud bursting in central park i, I was gonna uh, mention that one yeah that's I, something else. i remember yeah. when i was <laughs> growing up me and my friend uh matthew we went we, <laughs> in the park we thought hey, we go cloud bursting and you know, we just we just lay there and just just look at the sky i mean i'm sure that was uh inspired by by a couple uh loggers but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this this movie means so much to me and uh 
I chose a different movie on 1991 day just because uh, I had to show my kids the second chapter in the Bill and Ted saga. And that was yeah, an excuse yeah, to do that. So, so I pulled them out for that, but the Fisher King is, is a, is a much better movie. And uh, yeah, man, uh, when they, the song, what, what's the song? Uh, I like New, New, York, New, York, New York in June. Yeah. It's just, you hum that song for like an hour after and, uh, and, you, and you just feel that joy. It's a, uh, that's a great movie. I it's, should it's, watch it right now. It's really good. <laughs> you feel good. You've been through so many, such an emotional roller coaster, but you feel good at the end of it. But I talk about I mean, nudity has been kind of a theme throughout our, our discussion here, but Robin Williams bared it all in, in many ways in this, this role, but they filmed on location in Central Park on a freezing cold night. <laughs> and he's... He's there dancing around naked, and there are actual homeless people shouting things out uh, at him. And like, man, that guy's crazy. And and and, and, and while well, this is going on, and, and there are all these people coming around, like Robin Williams. Oh, they, like they heard that they're filming around there. You just have to hand it to the guy. I mean, he did everything he needed to do for for that character. And he was such a a method actor. Like he everything that he that uh, Perry feels in that movie. Williams got himself to that point where he could feel that and uh mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's just that he needed to overcome something and bridges as jack lucas needed to overcome some stuff there two men on separate journeys who encounter each other and through meeting each other improve their situations but the, the, the sadness at points is that with perry anytime he's going to be happy then that red dragon is going to come back and yeah. and ruin things for him and a hard scene to watch i mean it's it's we're talking about comedies, but we're talking about a comedy that brings tears to my eyes at points. It's uh, it's it's something else for, and I think there's a lot of people who haven't seen The Fisher King because it, you know, it's been 31 years. So it would be good if more people check this one out. I mean, everybody remembers Silence of the Lambs and some movies. Oh, this was this is way yeah. funnier than Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, from my ear though, they remember no, that. But as far as The Fisher King, I think you know, yes. one that. People need to remember, they always talk about Goodwill Hunting for Robin Williams. You know, I, I think, I also like Robin Williams in Awakenings and some movies oh, like yes. that, right? I wasn't surprised when Goodwill Hunting happened. Like, oh, he can do a serious material? Yes, he's been doing serious yeah. material his entire career. It hasn't just been comedies. No, or, Robin Williams, he can, he can act. I mean, he can do... Yeah. He can be the zaniest stand-up comedian you've ever seen, and he can yeah. be serious, and he can bring you to tears as well. And there's almost he's like a theory. It seems like the theory is it depends if his character has a beard. If he's got a beard, he's a serious character, and it's a little bit more uh, dramatic. If he shaves it, then we're going slapstick zany. But in fairness, he has some scenes in the flashback scenes where he is clean shaven when uh, yeah before before that uh, horrible event happens to him, but. Uh, but yeah, he, he mostly has a beard in, in in this movie, so that's that's true. He does tend to have facial hair in the the, the super serious movies. But uh, when he would work with a great director like Terry Gilliam, I mean, it, it was magical. And uh, yeah, very much miss miss that guy. So, uh, did you have some uh, honorable mentions before we uh, finish up? Yeah, sure. I'll just uh, throw them out here quickly, just just so they can be. Uh, there was one I really wanted to mention, and I wanted it to go in my top ten just right off the bat to throw my credibility in the toilet. But uh, it's it's the worst movie of my bunch. But it hit me on the exact right. I was in the mood for the dumbest movie that I could probably find and it happened to um this is a movie that stars dennis quaid greg kinnear hugh jackman kate winslet naomi watts anna ferris emma stone richard gear 
Kate Bosworth, Justin Long, Jason Sudeikis, Uma uh, Thurman, Kristen Bell, Christopher Mintz-Platz, Chloe Grace Moretz, Sean William Scott, Johnny Knoxville, Halle Berry, Stephen Merch- Merchant, Elizabeth Banks, and Chris Pratt. It's a movie called Movie 43. <laughs> it's it's barely a movie. It's a bunch of uh, you know shorts tied together. It's offensive. It's crude. And there's no reason I should have laughed as much as I did. <laughs> But it it, it was the it was that day. I I wanted to watch something uh, that way, I guess. And Chris Pratt was the category, and uh, of course he has a he's in one of the shorts where his girlfriend at the time, Anna Ferris, proposes that uh, she wants him to poop on her, and um, so it's very lowbrow stuff. A lot of people hate that movie, and a lot of people will say that's the one they'll put on when they're you know having having drinks or and put on something stupid. But anyways, I thought it was. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but I, I laughed a lot during it. Yeah. Another one I wanted, I really wanted to put Ghostbusters Afterlife on my top 10. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a really good movie. I felt like maybe it, it wasn't comedy enough to, to maybe break the top 10. It's, it's a, it's an adventure film and it's funny and it, it has heart. Um, I just didn't feel it. It's comedy isn't maybe what I would put first. Um, it definitely has humor to it, but it's not like, uh, they're not going for the ha ha all the time, yeah. which is what kind of the, the 2016 Ghostbusters, I think tried to do, uh, just yeah. have joke, joke, joke. This was just a movie with heart and I really loved, I loved, yeah. I thought yeah. it was really good. Probably in Alberta as well. So I, I mean, yeah. I spotted a lot of locations that I've uh, driven driven past there yeah so, same uh, uh yeah, i think the original ghostbusters is a comedy more of a comedy than this is but i i thought this was a worthy next generation type of film i was nervous about seeing it but i and i went in with very low expectations and uh it was it was very entertaining and yeah I, I agree good young cast as well yeah uh wanted to give a shout out for an 80s comedy dragnet with uh oh, yeah yeah tom hanks and dan Aykroyd. i, I had not seen this for a long long time and i i wanted to give it a show just because i, I was surprised how much i just kind of enjoyed it. it's just a simple 80s comedy back when tom hanks would just do simple silly comedies yeah. and uh and, and i kind of forgot how uh you know he's just likable and it was just a really easy comedy to uh, to enjoy uh, it was v- very foggy i couldn't remember it very much but i really had a nice time just watching dragnet again and uh, i didn't know i was going to enjoy it as much as i did revisiting yeah I, i've been wanting to revisit that one for a while there i, I looked at old reviews of it and a lot of people yeah. really like dan Aykroyd's performance in it like i think oh yeah Paul Niebert. They were saying that Aykroyd should get an Oscar nomination for. What he's <laughs> that, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun funny movie. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. Give a shout out for a film on uh, comedy about a family. We watched Daddy's Home with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Uh, just to kind of put a little variety in, I guess uh, that was one that's uh, you know it's your Will Ferrell type family comedy where it does uh, you know the the sentimental dad stuff, which you know sometimes my kids say I'm, I'm kind of that side or or whatnot, and then you know he's got the the tough cool stepdad that he's got to live up to and and it's one you can watch with the family with the kids it's got some it's not too vulgar but there's just vulgar enough to that the kids feel they're, they're watching something fun but, there have been but two, the, right? there's a sequel i think there's a sequel yeah the second one's like a christmas based movie but uh the first one i think is it's a it's a fun film we all watch it together and and we all smile and had a good time on a month where i watched blazing saddles it would be silly if i didn't at least mention blazing saddles mm-hmm. um blazing saddles is uh yeah it's it's kind of uh ended up uh, on the controversial list especially maybe now but um yeah for different reasons than it yeah. used to be <laughs> <laughs> but but do i still 
giggle with <laughs> the stupidity of like candy gram for mongo yes i laugh when that happens mm-hmm. you know the hard part was inventing the candy gram yeah there's there's a lot of racial comedy in there but you know and, and using the racial slurs that are that we don't say in yeah. in films unless you're quentin tarantino it seems but I, I think the thing on it it's it we give it a pass because of when it was made and because the although they're using the slur i don't think we're not loud la- i guess we're, we're laughing at the ignorance i think mm-hmm. uh, at the people that are are using the slur and uh, just you know how how stupid it is that we would be like that you know and it's funny how the whole thing the ending is crazy too how it just spills out into the back lot of warner yeah. brothers studios and yeah. all of a sudden they got to go to a theater to watch the actual end of the movie because the sets are all broken and one thing just getting back to that point though about it being controversial that mel brooks even back then was very smart and he said, if we're going to be using this word, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But did bring in Richard Pryor as a writer. And then Richard Pryor like was going over it. Now, I don't know if there's some tokenism in that, um, maybe. But it was a, at least, a, you know, he was the top African-American comedian at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, like a guy who would use the N-word for sure in, in his in his stand-up comedy. And so, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if Richard Pryor ever commented on what he thought of Blazing Saddles, but he, he was in on the writing team for it. I don't know if that justifies the use of it, but that's why it's a controversial movie now. Whereas, yeah, uh, the, the reason it was controversial in the 70s had nothing to do with that. It's just funny how, how times have changed, so... No yeah. matter what, uh, but I, I, yeah. I think I found revisiting it. It's a maybe it's a little bit quieter and uh, and drier at times, and not as consistently laugh out loud as I remember yeah. it being. But but the points that do hit are still still smile inducing. Anyways, those are your honorables. Yeah, those were the five. Yeah, and uh, yep, even movie forty three. I just want I just wanted to point out that cast just because it's such a ridiculous. Yeah. I think probably 90% of the cast really wants to distance themselves from that and not include that on their IMDb page. They're definitely slumming it with uh, <laughs> with the material they're doing. But if that's your thing, go for it. Well, it's on I Prime, think I think, too. Worth, I've never I've never watched it. I, yeah, I, and just to sort of see, I was, it would be more like, is it as bad as they say it is type of a, a thing for me. But now oh, it's probably maybe. worse. Probably worse. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's one where... You don't want to watch it uh, stone sober on a, on a Monday or something um, okay. because you'll look at it and say like, what am I six? Like, this is not funny. Yeah. Like, he, I think Hugh Jackman has his testicles off of his neck, but, uh, but if watch it at Saturday night at midnight, maybe it's going to be funny. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right time, right place. That's the key to any of these. So a, a couple of the ones I, I wanted to mention for the 2000 to 2009, I did, that was the one day I did a double feature. It's connected to a, another show I'm going to be recording soon so i'm not gonna say too much about the royal tenon bombs but yeah it got and it was on my honorable mentions list for sure and so i'll i'll be reviewing it in more detail coming up soon not uh another i I, you know i didn't intend for martin scorsese to show up uh twice in uh comedy funny february here but for sasha baron cohen i also didn't really want to go in the borat route i thought that was a little bit too obvious um i i was trying to look for some other options but i i ended up watch revisiting hugo i'm glad i did i had a better time with it than i remember having when i saw it in theaters uh i was just like martin scorsese doing a children's and it was in 3d and there are all these strange things around that one but 
But Sasha Baron Cohen and his whole bit is still incredibly funny. And he is, you know, trying to catch this kid who is he suspects is uh, is going around and perhaps even living in in this uh, this train station. And but he has this also kind of awkward cute romance uh, with the, the the girl who who sells flowers, played by um, Emily Mortimer, who's a wonderful, charming actor. And when he gets up the courage to go and talk to her it is just a ridiculously funny scene so yeah it works and there's this kind of nice charm and fantasy to it based on that graphic novel so it's 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 in the it's a really good movie and it had some comedy category more than the like a laugh a minute type of a piece but i just thought i'd mention mm-hmm. that one uh, two comedies now that overperformed for me uh, on the jason bateman day i saw horrible bosses had okay. a lot of fun with horrible bosses maybe not the most right original on. casting to have kevin spacey play a uh, horrible boss which he had already done in some other films and treat jason bateman who's a hard-working guy like uh, like a jerk but you know that's that i mean that's very on point but it, it it works and i i just had fun with it it was uh you know it was kind of brainless but it was really likable actors jason sudeikis showed up in a couple movies that i saw this month and it's now because of ted lasso and stuff he's become a much bigger presence yeah. and was like, yeah no i he, he was funny before this i just wasn't outside of saturday night live and his mitt romney impression i wasn't sure i would be a fan of his but uh yeah i i i, I definitely like the cast colin farrell not in the movie a whole lot but he's like this <laughs> crazy coked out guy who was the son of donald sutherland and ends up taking over this business and, and, and making life uh, life difficult for Jason Sudeikis. And Jennifer Aniston, also not the only oh my, yeah. star of a movie. Yeah, she's the, like this dentist who sexually harasses her employee. So I, interesting. It, 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 you know, it's not highbrow. It's not highbrow no. for sure. But I, I mentioned Jason Sudeikis and Jennifer Aniston because – they were in a movie, and this would probably, oddly enough, be the one that could have cracked the top ten because I thought it was going to be horrible. We're the Millers. I okay. watched We're the Millers, and it was actually an Ed Helms day. Ed Helms plays this over-the-top villainous drug dealer, and Jason Sudeikis ends up in a situation where he gets robbed and then owes him money, and then he goes to Mexico and he comes up with this idea using this ner- like lonely, nerdy kid in his building, a street girl played by Emma Roberts, and uh, a stripper played by Jennifer Aniston to go into this you know, uh, RV and go into Mexico and load up all of these drugs and then go back. And of course, there's all kinds of complications and plot twists in there. It was really good. I, oh, yeah. I, I had a, I had way more fun than I was expecting to have with this. I thought it, there's some bits that are funnier than others, but it there was really something to it. It, it. it and Slapshot at the end of the month were the ones where I was kind of thinking about for a few days afterwards. And if I had, you know, if I decided, but then I, I just thought Oscar was just so, such an achievement. It was just so <laughs> And so much better than I thought it was going to be. It was between those two for the tenth spot, I guess, uh, ultimately. And I have to do, I like you, uh, a shout out to my, the Mel Brooks day. I saw Young Frankenstein or uh, Young Frankenstein, you know, if you want. Yeah. Gene Wilder again, just absolutely brilliant. But I, I think all of the secondary characters in that movie are are so much fun. But to me, Marty Feldman as, <laughs> <laughs> jeez, yeah. 
Igor steals the whole movie. Like, I mean, I, I, I liked it enough, but when he shows up, that was just on a whole other level. And I mean, obviously, like, I, I knew about the scenes that, you know, Peter Boyle as the monster and when he's doing the singing and dancing number. Putting uh, on the Ritz. With Wilder towards the end of the film. That's probably the most famous scene uh, from, yeah. from the picture there. But Feldman was the one, like, that kept me going right until the end and, and all throughout. Some things he's doing are really big, arguably over the top, but works really well with Mel Brooks' humor. And this is when he was batting a thousand. I mean, he, he had the producers. He had Young Frankenstein. He had Blazing Saddles. I mean, he was the man. I, I think it's... It, I love the, the black and white photography and everything about it. And it's it's just a fantastic comedy. Yeah, didn't Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein come out the same year? Do you know what? that That is right. They both were in 1974. Those are two career films for Mel Brooks in the and, same uh, year. To go back on on your mentions there, the, your, your, your Horrible Bosses and We're the Millers ones. Also yeah. a fan of those. Uh, yeah, Horrible Bosses is... Uh, I, f- I was kind of concerned when I saw you're watching that because I wasn't sure if you were going to be, uh, you know, into that as, or not. But so I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed that and had some fun with it. It's uh, it was it was always a runner up. I've always kind of liked Jason Sudeikis's delivery. Just uh, how he would deliver a comedic line. He, he always seemed to play characters that were jerks, and I think this yeah. is true in in, in those the, the movies that I saw him in. So the, the change into Ted Lasso, who is like kind of this really sweet guy who takes care of people and this optimist, <laughs> I, I found that, and, and maybe he always had that in him, but I, I just found that so different than anything I saw from him beforehand, where I, I just had him in this group of actors that kind of post Saturday Night Live in what I thought was kind of a, a mediocre time for that show. And he, he was getting lots of work and showing up and stuff. But I was just like, he's, he's just another another one of another one of these guys. I mean, th- there were a lot of people named Jason as, it, you know, share my name. Yeah, that there was. With themes throughout the month as it, as it happened there. But probably, and there wasn't even a, a Jason Sudeikis day in there, but I ended up seeing two of his movies. But probably Jason Bateman would be my favorite of the uh, Jasons that would, uh, we ended up focusing on. <laughs> But just because I I know everything that Jason Bateman can do from yeah he's he's good too even if he's in something that's not that great he's he's still solid in it well this is this has been great thank you for coming on and doing a, another top ten and I'm hoping I can convince you after uh, action adventure April there that that we can. <laughs> We can talk again, and I'm hoping that maybe in April I can do a few double features at least. We'll we'll see. I I've been spending time trying to get caught up on this podcast, and yeah. I haven't been able to produce as many uh, episodes. Thank you for for coming on and sharing your mm-hmm. list. I don't think we got into any fights over any of these. I think it was nope. just all, no. Um, and I it's funny. I walk around the house saying like, uh, it's like work. It's like no, I got to watch a movie tonight, and it has to be from 1991. I know, honey. I don't want to do it either, but I have to. It's a challenge. So it's. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah, the but, themes make it a challenge, but I I, I like that part of it. I mean, yeah. I, if it's just choose any comedy you want, then yeah, probably it would actually make this harder in some ways. That is fine because I don't I don't know what's going to be on the calendar until I I do the draw. So I, I had fun with this. I think I'll I was wondering if I'll do it again next February. I, I think I probably will. And and who knows? Maybe you know you might have a, a similar category. Might have a different one. Same one. Yeah, that's a good way to pass the time. I won't double up if we have the same similar theme. I'll try not to choose the same movie I chose for uh, <laughs> for 2022 for the 2023 version. Yeah, I'm in for any of these that that you're you're gonna be involved with, and and so we will hear from you someday again soon. I always appreciate uh, you coming on. You're a great guest, and 
I know why Larry calls on you a lot too, because uh, I always enjoy listening to you on Rank and Review. As a good tie-in to promote Rank and Review, Larry's <laughs> show. Also check out Film Feast, Matt Bledsoe, and I want to thank him for Barb and Star. Uh, and I'm hoping, Scott, you enjoy that movie as much as uh, as I did. And then, of course, uh, A Lifetime of Hallmark, Kurt Fitzpatrick. Please check out his podcast, Laugh. We need to laugh at ourselves, and that's what yeah. February reminded me of, and we really needed to laugh. So, Scott, thanks again for uh, arranging this. Well, it felt, honestly, it felt good to, to laugh every night the whole month. Oh, oh you know what I sh- wanted to do? In, in true shelf-shedding show fashion, if you were to remove a f- movie off of your list of the 29 you watched, I, I know that there'd be one of mine if I had to get rid of one of these movies that I watched, and actually I did. The Bachelorette was a movie I watched, didn't yeah. enjoy it, expected something more out of it, took it off my shelf. So that's my lowest ranked one is coming off my shelf. I'm just curious, do you have one that you would say, if I owned this or if I was getting rid of one, it would be I this. I think I do, just two seconds. I want to confirm that it's the one that... <laughs> but I, it might break your heart. That's all. Oh, no. I, I love I love this idea. Yeah, just as we uh, end the show, this is actually a tough decision because there were, there were a lot early on that I did not. Oh, yes. That first oh, week was rough. Well, first couple weeks. Oh, right. I, uh, yeah, and I feel like I have to choose one. I don't, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to allow myself to have a tie here. Threw a curveball at you, didn't I? You did. Yeah, good. It's good. It's good for me. It's tough because one is is by a very ta- talented filmmaker who I think should do better, and the other one is its ambitions are it's a goofier comedy, but I just didn't get much joy out of it, unfortunately. So it's a bit of a coin toss. I want I want you to come back on the show, so I don't want to break your heart because I know you like the one that was maybe a bit goofier. You might be able to figure out which one I'm alluding to, but I'm going to actually say the Darjeeling Limited, directed by Wes Anderson, oh. would be the one I would uh, shed from my my month. But I I had such classics as Dumb and Dumber Two, Welcome to oh, right. America, and Oh Coming uh, to America, yeah. Or, sorry, Coming to America. What did I say? Welcome to America. Yeah, sorry, Coming yeah. to America. And I don't think we're in the same place with McGruber. I don't think so. (laughs) Love McGruber. I know you do. So that's, but uh, I didn't shed it from the month. So I I think Darjeeling, given the talent behind it, it's, it's not a great film. I mean, I, Hmm. I, I maybe have softened on it. I hated it when I saw it in theaters. I see maybe what they were trying to do, but I think it's also a bit of a pretentious film and I kind of, lacked any humor for me i was i mean i just watched watch it straight faced and i didn't even have that the short movie connected to it in theaters with natalie portman and jason schwartzman that was the best thing about it in theaters and that wasn't when i watched it on the streaming service that it didn't have that movie again thanks for uh, coming on and and also to you listening thanks for listening to the podcast take care